Hello, and welcome to episode 211 of Flicks in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me forever and always, the man, the myth, the marquee, Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello, Al. I love you, but you're an unserious person. <laughs> On this week's episode, a game you've never heard of, Dune Part 2, Righteous Gemstones Season 3 trailer, and The Writer's Strike. All before diving into our flick of the week, John Wick Chapter 4. But first, Al, what are we drinking? We are drinking a fresh beer because we just got it <laughs> mutually. Fresh to Jeff! <laughs> We just got it mutually this weekend for Anthony's birthday. Everyone's mutually happy. acquired beers. Yes. Say hello. Say hello. Say happy birthday to Anthony. It's, uh, it was his birthday the other day. Thanks, friends. <laughs> um, we went to Source Brewing, which is yeah, we did. not terribly far from where you live. And um, we bought a assortment of beers on the way back to your house. And I grabbed like four that I hadn't tried. And that was why those are the only four that I had. And why you had a couple of beers in your fridge still that I don't have with me. Nice. Um, so this is Coat of Arms. It's a Franconian style rot beer lager. It's 5.6% alcohol by volume. It came in a pint, which is which is delightful. Uh, drink from the source. Mm. It says it over and over again. Um, <laughs> it's uh, canned fresh from the source in Colts Neck, New Jersey. And um, you see... Their logo is a hop that's growing in a field on a tree, but the tree is a beer glass. Oh. I really like that. <laughs> I'm going to give them um, a plus thuckle on the can art, minus thuckle on the can design, because I have not successfully opened a single one of these cans. <laughs> oh, so this one actually opened. Yeah, sorry. We, <laughs> we had a bit of an issue on the Saturday night after we left the brewery and we're drinking the, the beers we brought home at Anthony's house. And probably 80% of the cans that were opened while we were there re yeah. required when you went to pull the tab and it punches the perforated like spout, it would break the seal, but it wouldn't actually punch the thing all the way down and so you have to follow up gently with a tool or your hand and so i think i was like sticking my fingers in everyone's beers at your house because no one was <laughs> brave with, enough to, with a little thumb yeah no one was brave enough to punch the thing open which to be fair if you do it wrong you will cut yourself but yeah um thankfully i uh, avoided injuring myself i i've been i've been punching it with my thumb myself but at the same time like every time i do it i was like uh, this could potentially make work really difficult for a little while. <laughs> it's definitely a delicate process. <laughs> it's not the best. I will say uh, the zigzag pattern on the can is pleasing. Yeah. But mm. for a beer called Coat of Arms, I was expecting a Coat of Arms. And I don't think their logo suffices. I wish they had done more heraldry around the logo. And yeah, that's fair. Hair, that would have been cool. That's fair. I mean, the where they did nail it is the font for coat of arms. Yeah, it definitely looks um, like it would come from medieval times. Uh, I mean, the actual times, not the restaurant. Um, the ingredients are uh, aquifer water, malt, yeast, and hops. Simple, straightforward. <laughs> um, other than that, I don't have much to say. Drink about from the source. Brewed from the source. Canned fresh from the source. This feels very <laughs> culty. <laughs> yes. Um, but 
I will say, I don't know what a Franconian-style rock beer lager is. Oh, I guess really? Because must... I was going to ask you what the hell that means. No, that's a very niche thing. So I guess it must be inspired by some sort of, like, Gallic or Gothic beer of medieval times. and the time when, like, French... Go to medieval times. <laughs> when, like, the French would conquer the Germans or the Germans would conquer the French and vice versa. The intermixing of all those styles, I'm guessing... I mean, rock beer is, is going to be some sort of Germanic style lager, but Franconian, the French, to the best of my knowledge, are not super well known for their beer any longer, mm. much more so wine and brandy and champagne and all those fun things. Um, well, funny that you say that, because if you take a big old whiff of this sucker, mm-hmm. you can definitely feel like, I, I feel like there's like a fruitiness in the malt scent, which is nice. Yes. It doesn't have that like overly... Um, like that overly like molassesy sugar scent. It has more of like a a lighter fruitier scent. I feel like it's funny. It's it's rather pleasing color. It's yeah. It looks really nice on the darker, like kind of a brown ale style. But it's very crystal clear mm-hmm. from the lagering process, which is is kind of nice. Usually, you don't see beers quite colored like this outside of maybe a, a <laughs> yeah. Based on just the the aroma and the look, I would say, while I have no idea what a Franconian-style rock beer lager is, I feel like they do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Shall we give this one a taste? Yes, please. Cheers. Bud. All right. Very Franconian. It's uh, you can really taste the Frank. This is nice. This is very. I don't know how to describe this. It's it has so like you know how I feel about um, overly malt forward beers. I'm not a big, huge fan of them. I feel like this has all of the the nice parts that I do like there, but none of the the thickness or the overly the taste, syrupy the sweetness thickness. of it. And I, re- I like it. I, I like it a lot. Yeah. I mean, a, it's, it's, a lot, a lot. <laughs> it's definitely, it's definitely mull forward, but it's crisp. It doesn't have yeah. that weighty feeling of uh, what a, a comparable type of uh, multi ale might have. Mm. Very nice. Uh, I'm going to go well attenuated. There, there's okay. a nice beer term for you. Yeah. All right. Um, I don't know what I, I I'm I'm thinking t- two thuckles maybe three. Where are you at? I would say from from my just personal enjoyment of it, I would say probably in the one to two thuckle range. But mm-hmm. its execution of the form is strong to quite strong, like on yeah. uh, like the order of like a three. I would say sure. So I'm gonna I'm gonna settle it two. Yeah, two sounds nice. Yeah. I'm at two. Well done, Source. I will say, with them, uh, I've been there a number of times. When we we originally went, the first time that we went, they had like maybe four beers, five beers. It was a while. It was a a while ago. And they were were all a little samey, and they were all fine. Mm -hmm. Ever since then, like I've returned maybe like, like, I feel like every year since then, it's gotten dramatically better. Like their, their choices have gotten stronger. The quality has gotten stronger. And then, and on top of that, 
the brewery itself changes every time I go there. Like there's like a little bit of an addition here and there's more space over here. And like, it just becomes a more and more comfortable place to go and relax and have a few beers. And I, I really, really like the space. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense for a place that's getting on its feet. You know, usually you don't have a ton of offerings because you have to figure out like, okay, you go from, I know how to make beer. I know how to make yep. beer well, but to brew it at scale and mm. to replicate the batch with great reliability and can it or bottle it or keg it and continue to sell to a higher volume of people requires both skill and patience and just flat out repetitions. So mm -hmm. the progression you're describing is great. Actually, it's, it sounds exactly yeah. how it should be where let's do a couple of things. Let's try and really make them repeatable before we start branching out. And then we can have a one-off because we want to, or we can have a one-off because we experimented and it didn't work out well or whatever. Um, and the space is really cool. It seemed like a chill place. It was packed. So obviously it's popular. Um, they definitely need to expand their parking lot next as far yeah. as expansions go, because that was a little hectic trying to get them out of there. But um, yeah, it was, a little, it was a little bonkers. It doesn't help that the there's a distillery. Distillery? Nope. No. It doesn't help that there's a distillery in the same parking lot. Yeah. Um, but it does help when you want to go have some real nice cocktails because I, oh my, are the cocktails of that place fantastic. We'll we'll hit that up once when it's a much smaller group and uh, sends children because they don't they don't allow um, kids in that one. Probably for the best. Yeah. Um, but very family friendly place, the the brewery. And I really appreciate that. Like everybody seems to get it. It's like, let's just be cool. Let's let the kids run around on the grass. It's great. <laughs> and they which, have and they which, have an upstairs that is there were many, adults only. There were many children. Yeah. Some of them in tow with our party That's and some right. of them not. <laughs> yeah. We were we were rolling two tables deep at one point. It was, yeah, it was, it was good. A, it was very, a good turnout. Very well attended. Yeah. You like to say well attend and then finish that. <laughs> <laughs> Two iterations does not a trend make. <laughs> All right. Do you keep hearing a bloop sound? Skype is making a bloop sound. Uh, I'm not hearing a bloop. And while I keep hearing it, there's no actual like notification or anything i've heard no such bloops i'm bloopless all right well as long as you don't hear them that's probably for the best let's do get you into some how, news and nuggets oh i'll say before that i'm gonna preempt you do you mm. hear how beautiful and crisp and clean that i am and are you noticing it like a higher quality of video and all that uh i am not noticing a higher quality of video because skype is still garbage sure but uh your I, sound is the same to me Okay, because I'm noticing a much cleaner um, recording for us, and it's because um, I decided to buck the trend of my life for quite some time. And I was a bully this past week. You were a bully? Uh, oh, yeah. I bullied two mega communications corporations. <laughs> oh, nice. I love and, Which that. is to say that... I'm all um, about that. I... Finally got what I was paying for. Mm -hmm. Or, yeah, maybe more accurately what my dad's paying for. But regardless, <laughs> as the executor of his will, and I sure. don't mean last will and testament, but the will of <laughs> what our services are in the house. 
um, mm-hmm. pursuant to conversations on and off air we've had about my role as kind of the keeper of the keys and regards to all technological things. Um, uh, my internet... Keeper of keys and game at Hogwarts. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I've been called Rubius Hagrid, Hagrid before. <laughs> um, so like a week and a half ago, I was trying to stream a movie. I don't remember what we were watching. Um, oh, we were going to watch the Batman. Sunday Sunday nice. afternoon, it was raining. Nothing to do, so... What's put it on? Oh, I thought you were just describing the movie. No, sure. <laughs> it's that too. Um, it was not really working well. It kept buffering like every 12 mm, seconds. Yeah, it's a so, no-go. Okay, so I speed tested and I was pushing like 15 megabits down. Wow. And pretty sure I paid for 100. <laughs> Although I never see it <laughs> clock above like 75. Oh my god! Usually in the 65 to 75 range. So I reset the router, which is, you know, it's an old one router modem, whatever, which mm-hmm. is pretty new. It's probably only about a year old, maybe something like that. I reset it, speed test it, and now I'm pushing like five. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay. Huh? So we're it's back. so much worse. Yeah, it was like, we're, we're back. call to- me a trash pen. Is that worse? <laughs> yeah um i was like okay so we're back to the dsl days that's fantastic yeah um so i got online started chatting with the spectrum people all that and i was like what's going on is there an outage whatever no everything's fine everything's fine how how are how are you over there and i was like um not good not great bob um (laughs) So I was like, okay, can we figure out? He's like, oh, yeah, sure. Um, let me just reset it from my side. I said, great. Uh, the classic reset from my side. No, you know what? Let's start there. That's fine. Yeah, of course. So we do that. Okay. It's back to running 60-ish. I was like, okay, that's usually what I expect. And they're like, is there anything else you can help you with? I was like, well, I would I like to know for more. <laughs> why it's never close. Like I understand there's going to be days where it runs low, but like yep. it's never really at a hundred. I said, when we bought it from you guys several years ago, you sold us like, uh, it's like 30 or 40 megs and said within a year, you were rolling out to the bare minimum is going to be a hundred across the board. And you said, no increase in price. You'll just be grandfathered right in. Great. And I noticed whatever it was, 30 or 40, eventually started clocking 70 or so. I was like, okay, it more than doubled what we're getting. Great, mm-hmm. fine, whatever. Why do we never get close to 100? And they're like, oh, let me check on that for you. <laughs> of, course. of course. So it turns out you're on a legacy plan. Uh, it wasn't supposed to be 100, it was supposed to be 60. But now our base plan is 300. I was like, they're like, do you want us to switch that for you? I was like, yeah. <laughs> is that even a question <laughs> like what are we, are we talking about here like oh yeah let me do that for you I was like yeah do it what, what are we talking about do it oh my god and they're like oh yeah, they did it and they're like yeah uh, we we realized that you want to get what you pay for it's like yeah do it <laughs> yeah I would, I would also like to uh retroactively either get some sort of deal 
for all this time that I've not been getting the thing that I'm supposed yeah, to Yeah, right. So anyway, now I sometimes have, you know, 250, 300 megabits or whatever. Uh, hey, sometimes right. it, it's sometimes it's still also only like 70. Um, You're I don't going to start wrecking people in Halo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, there's been like zero lag. It's been great on my end. I guess maybe nice. it can change anything for you on your end. So then I followed that up by yelling at DirecTV for 45 minutes on the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to come and give us a whole upgraded stuff on Friday. Yeah. For no additional nice. charge. So it's, it's been a good week. Uh, I, like I don't that. like I don't like yelling at the people. It was, it was easier with the, the Spectrum guy because I'm just messaging with them. Um, sure. And then I wasn't yelling at the DirecTV guy, but I was just like, so, because we've been having an issue with one of our boxes and I've just been resetting it because I don't want to deal with the whole hassle of getting it all fixed. Uh, because I know it always ends up with a 45 minute conversation and then I have yep. to juggle who's going to be here to, because yep. it's not going to be me. I'm not taking off work to deal with this. I was like, I'll do all the other bullshit. Someone's got to be here to let the guy yep. in do the thing. So we finally just ripped the bandit off, did it. And we're like, oh, you know, have you tried? Yeah, I was like, we've tried resetting it. You can reset it, whatever. Don't care. Do what you got to do. So you can check those boxes, tell your boss you did it. But this story ends with you replacing the box. Okay. Yeah. He's like, oh, well, we have to... I was like, yeah, no, it's fine. We're, we can do all this. We're going to do it right now. And yep. then you're going to send a guy out sometime later this week, and we're going to get a new box. Yes. It was like, he's like, okay, is there anything else I can help you with? I was like, yeah. Um, now that you mention it, we've been customers for 15 years. We haven't had an upgrade of any way, shape, or form in probably a good five years. So we're going to do that, and we're not going to pay any more money for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need that extended warranty for the price of on the house yes he's <laughs> the guy's like oh uh let me check on that as a like, you you take as long as you need <laughs> yeah this story ends with a new a guy coming in <laughs> swapping out all the boxes and not a single dollar being charged more that's that's how this story ends i don't care if it takes you 20 minutes i got nowhere to go man <laughs> i love this i so i've gotten pretty good at finagling them into giving me what they will give a new customer because yeah. that's bullshit Right, yeah. that a customer of a long of long standing can't get a good, as good a deal as somebody that's never had them before. Yeah. Anyway, my usual move is to call, get in touch, get on the line eventually with a representative, and then I'll just say like, "Can you send me to retention?" <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "Shit, like, they know the words." They, they go, "They go, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, is there something that I can help you with?" I was like, "Yeah, you can put me with retention." Can you send me to retention? Otherwise, I'll be canceling my service. <laughs> And then they send you to retention. Well, I had, and that's and that's where you get the good deals. I had I had an easy trump card here because he's like, oh, you know, we, we can see what we can do. I was like, well, listen, um, you guys, I said, you can look on the plan. You see that we've had you for like fifteen or sixteen years, and we've had NFL Sunday ticket for the last three years, and YouTube TV has that now, and let's just say I'm motivated to continue to have Sunday ticket. And nice. so YouTube sounds pretty good right now. He goes, okay, hang on one second. And I was like, here we go. I think those are the magic words. <laughs> nice. You nailed it. Oh my gosh. That's so, it's so ridiculous. It's such a game. It's annoying. Cause like all it really takes is just like, you need a good hour to be able to like, to dedicate to sitting down and doing the chat or calling and what? getting through all of this rigmarole and being patient enough to actually see it through. Yeah. That's what I said to my dad was he's like, I'm just I'm tired of dealing with this hassle. He goes, I'm going to call them. I was like, 
that's fine. I'll be home in 15 minutes. You start the process and I'll, I'll take the baton. I'll, and I'll, it. I'll carry it. Cause I was like, I'll I, close. the thing is, I just don't want to go through the hour conversation and then have to coordinate with him with yeah. what, what he's willing to do X, Y, and Z. Cause the, you know, the, the trade-off is like, well, we're going to send your contract to yours. Like, yeah, go ahead. I don't care. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. We like, if we're going through all this rigmarole, I'm not going to ch- drop your service six months from now. It doesn't make any sense for me to go through all so, that. So with all of these things, my, my new, like I have like some standard practices, like whether it's a phone service or internet service or whatever. Um, and I always walk away with a um, cancel at any time contract mm. at the price of is if I had a lock in. That's sure. those are my that's my plan going in, and that's generally how I am able to manage it by the end. Yeah. It's just like those things are BS. Like those like lock ins. It's yeah. like no, like why why would I want to do that? What is the benefit to me locking in with you for three years? Because you know somebody's going to come along with a better price? No. So what we're going to do is you're going to allow me a month-to-month contract, and I'm going to change it any time if I see fit. And if a price comes along that's better from another company and you can't match it, I will see fit. <laughs> like, and, that's, and that's all. Like, So this happened recently with – so we have um, – we're on a family plan. So um, – and I think the, fam- the for T-Mobile. Okay. And my mom is the account holder because at the time, um, she got a discount for working with in a school in New York City. There was something there. Yeah. So we got a discounted rate. At the end of the day, it's not that bad. The deals, the the pricing is pretty good. There's five lines on this family plan. Nobody like the only people. My mom and dad live together somewhere. Me and Kim live together, and Carly is out in Yonkers. But we're all in the same family plan. It's yeah. fine. Um, and it goes. Everybody has unlimited everything. Yeah. If you stay under two gigs of data, it's twenty five a month. If you go over two gigs of data, it's thirty five a month, which is fine. Mm. It's really not that that bad. And they've been increasing our speed and whatnot, like at each step of their infrastructure, which has been good too. And it's great. Um, lots of great perks. Like we get MLB TV free every year. We get MLS now free every year, um, which is pretty cool. There's like all these perks, and it's awesome. But like. Verizon started sniffing around again, and I was like, "Well, they they send you an email, and you're like, but it looks too good to be true.' So, like, let me go through this whole thing. I I talked I talked through it, and at the end of the day, their service is better. It is, and T-Mobile has gotten significantly better over the years. But at the end of the day, Verizon service is better, and I won't I won't argue that point. Like, it's true. Yep. Um, as a company, they are far worse. But their service true. is better. The service is better. Work, I used to work I think, on, yeah. Oh, I forgot that. about that. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the service is better, and I think the perks are probably pretty much better, too, because I get the full Disney bundle incorporated with it, which yes. has probably even greater utility than the MLB or MLS package. I mean, like, for, if you're a huge MLS fan, for sure. whatever. Like, no, you're, great, you're, you're absolutely right. I currently get that by having Fios, though. So but I kind of get a mix of both. Uh, but they were like, we'll give you, if you are all if you bring your own phones and you bring five lines, it'll be $20 a line. And I'm like, now you're speaking my language. I was like, <laughs> what's the overage? What's the limit on like the premium data? Because they have all sorts of things in play to throttle the hell out of you. And all in all, it seemed pretty good. And I was like, but now I have to play this game of like, 
the account is currently in my mom's. I, if it was just in my name, I would be able to seamlessly migrate us to another service and nobody would know the difference. I'd be like, hey, hit the OK prompt when it shows up on your phone. And yeah. they'd be like, OK. And then the phone would just work and it would all be over. And I would. <laughs> but it's currently in her name and getting her to try to do it. I'd be like, so I've, I've taken a step back. The first step is going to be going to T-Mobile and transitioning ownership of the account to me so that I can manage it because it's just, it would just be better. That's that's the one thing that's driving, maybe that's what I got to do. That's the one thing that drives me nuts with, because I run all the Verizon stuff. Because all of us, we have the same thing. The five of us, oh, sorry, four of us. My dad's phone is paid for entirely by the company. But sure. the four of us, have, like my mom, my sister, my brother, me, all have account together, Technically, my mom is the, the one because she was the first one of us ever to have a cell phone. So, but she just handed me the keys to everything. She said, mm-hmm. it's her email, but I'm authorized to do all the stuff on the account, except for like, just unilaterally change something like that. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I have all the login information. I can't tell you how many times I've reset the password and reset the secret questions and all mm-hmm. that, no matter what I do. Every time I log in to pay the bills, it wants me to prove I'm me again, despite the fact that I have all the login information. Yeah. So anytime I have to go pay the bill, I have to be like, mom, give me your phone. Because <laughs> I gotta, yeah. it's got to send her a text to prove it's, it doesn't matter what device I log in from, from her phone, from my phone, from the computer, no matter what, no matter where I do it from, it always wants me to prove I'm me. And I'm like, but I am me. I've proven it so many times. I am, I am me. Also, I am trying to give you money. Why are you making right. it hard for me to uh, give you the butt. money? I just just want to pay you. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. I, I just, I, yeah, I can't even. I, 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 should, I have to take over. The other part of it, too, is like the auto pay. Most of these companies have it set up that if you have auto pay, you get a significant discount on your bill. Yeah. But my mom is not into that. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's all of our bills and we share it. And I would like to get the discount. <laughs> well, part of the problem is, you know, you have the five different lines. Yeah. Because like for us, all the lines, the rate is a little different because, yeah, like the standard line fee is the same. But who's got a new phone that they're paying off and who doesn't? Sure. So well, I, yeah. that's well, one of the much. Ours is much simpler in that we just have the, if you go over two gigs or under two gigs, everybody on our plan owns their phone or has it through a different, like a different financing. So it's not through the phone bill. So it's a much simpler phone bill. And we just sell our portion of it to my mom when the bill comes, which is nice and easy. The easy part for me is like I put Dominic's credit card and my credit card and Gianna's Mm -hmm. credit card on there. So I just click. Pay X amount with Dominic's card. Pay Y amount with my card. Cool. Pay Z amount. So like that part's fine, but it's just not automatic. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have an unlimited plan. Like we, like the price doesn't change no matter how much data we use. I'm sure they pro- they probably throttle us uh, for speed at some point, but like the price doesn't change. Yeah. What what it, do you? What's like the monthly number of, for the whole thing? Of what cost? I, I don't know because of all the different lines and all that shit. Cause like, yeah, but don't you have a lump general idea of like what the whole bill comes out to? Cause you split it up after the fact. 
Uh, I don't ever look at the top number because no, my okay. my dad pays my dad auto pays. He just picked a number basically. It's like in excess of what my mom's fee is. Sure. And so that just hits, and then I pay for me Dominic and Giannis from our I gotcha. separate accounts. So I never look at the top line number. I see. Um, so I, I honestly don't know. I, I could probably figure it out, but uh, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's another. That, that's definitely something I would like to do. Is is I, I'm I'm I would like to switch again. Um, however, we're we've been looking for a house over uh, six. By the way, nice. Were um, you at that one? Because there was someone I was <laughs> someone I follow was a. a he was a Jets writer for a while. Now he does uh, TV for SNY for Jets and Giants. Um, he lives in the general vicinity of where you live. Mm-hmm. And he was going to an open house on Sunday. And I know you said you're going to one as well. And he sent a picture. He was on a line out the door for an open house. <laughs> and I figured there was That's a chance. I, fig- I was like, I knew you yeah. guys were going to like three that day. And I was like, there is a like non-trivial chance that Anthony's at the same open house. Yeah, we went to, we did go to a bunch. There were, we, every one that we got to, we got at like the perfect time where there was nobody there pretty okay. much. This is literally um, like a lot, like it looked like there was easily a hundred people on this line. Oh my gosh. Like not a hundred. It's, it, like, it's a joke. Like some of them were in couples, but like the point is it was a hundred yeah. total people. So yeah, no, the whole, the whole, the whole thing is an absolute mess right now. Um, we walked out on one, nice. which was good. Um, I walked in. The real estate agent that was managing the open house was an absolute garbage person and nice. was like very pushy, very aggressive, and was like repeating herself like over and over again about different facts. Like basically it, it came up to this. It was like, come in, put the booties on. And they were immediately trying to justify the list price with all the things they were saying. I'm like, okay. So negging is Stop. bad enough in dating, but when it's in, used in the sales... Yeah, so I went and I, I signed in. I think it in. should be re- grounds to assault someone. Well, <laughs> I wish. I went and we signed in, and she was like, she kept going and like restarting and like was grabbing other people and explaining it to them. And we were like, okay, we got, we understand. We're going to go take a look now, if that's all right. And she was like, actually, no, it's not okay. Um, I have to guide through the tour. I was like, that's not what an open house is. <laughs> um, it's true. And I was like, fundamentally okay. not what an open house is. And I was, I was like, never mind then. And I started walking out, and Kim was like, "Oh, I guess we're not doing this one." I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "I'm, I'm not even remotely equipped to deal with this right now." I was like, "I, I was no, like, this it's, is an it's, absolute disaster." It's already been stressful enough. Like you guys yeah. have been through the ringer on this stuff for the past year, so I don't blame you for. And like the chances, like what are the chances that's going to end up being the one? Like after right. I already like asshole. I immediately had a bad taste in my mouth yeah. walking in the door. Like I'm not gonna. Uh, the way that I saw it was like even if I loved this house, I wouldn't do it. Specifically because we would have to deal with com- like our realtor communicating with this one who clearly is a mess, and like that's just gonna create problems. And yeah. I don't even. We've had no. You've yeah, already, already been jerked so. around enough on that stuff. So so screw that. Anyway, like I said, over six. I think I told you we've gone thirty over. We've gone forty over asking nothing. Not a zip. Yeah. <laughs> outbid. <laughs> outbid. <laughs> it's crazy. It's wild. Uh, <laughs> we almost we almost we we almost put an offer in on another one. Massive property. Uh huge home. It was a five bedroom ranch extended. There was like a, another basically like size of a building that was the family room. It was massive. Oh yeah, you're like, telling th- uh, you're telling me and Diana, I think on on Sunday, yeah. or Saturday, whatever day it was. Yeah. But there's a a train that goes behind it. 
Yeah, so yeah the, the military train. That's the what it was. The military yes. train. That uh, it doesn't run that often, but when it does run, it's carrying nuclear weapons. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> allegedly, <like that>. <laughs> allegedly, <laughs> it's carrying some sort of ordinance. We don't know for a fact whether they're nuclear. Uh, so I have it on good authority <laughs> that they are in fact nuclear ordinance. <laughs> and I was like, "That's even even the possibility of it." I was like, "It's just why introduce the risk." Well, I gotta be granted, honest. I gotta we're be close honest. enough right now where was, it would hurt us anyway. Say, if, if it's nuclear ordinance, where you're living now would, would but be I'm just... But I'm more so equally. like, I don't want to be near any sort of potential heist. Like, I just... <laughs> it would be in my backyard. I don't... <laughs> I don't want to deal with that. That's fair. Um. Anyway, the house hunt continues. So news. <laughs> news. Only 44 minutes in. We got this. Um. Ow. Let me tell you a little bit of... Let me tell you something about this game. Okay. That I'm pretty sure you've never heard of. Okay. It's called Vampire Survivors. I have truly never heard of a vamp- <laughs> I've never heard of vampires, let alone those who survived them. <laughs> this is uh, the other day, uh, at, this is obviously a long-running joke on the show that I love the game. It's so much fun. Brian hates it. Other members of this platoon. And uh, it's fun to... I don't get it. I just don't get why he hates it so much. It is a fantastic game. Anyway... I don't, I honestly don't understand why he likes or dislikes anything. I that's fair. I can that's, never predict that, what he's gonna like or a dislike. Consistent, that's a consistent experience that I've had with Brian the entire time I've known him, which, which is yeah, the better part of my is life. Significantly longer than me, <laughs> but at this time I've had the opportunity to talk to him about a lot of shows, movies, books, games. Yeah, and as soon as I feel like I've got an idea as to what no. he likes and dislikes, the next thing I'm like, oh, I'm sure he'll love this. And he's like, hate it. And I'm like, what? It's great. <laughs> it's a, it is what makes it worth reading his reviews. Uh, that being said, Vampire Survivors has an animated television series in the works. Oh. Which is pretty exciting. Interesting. And I would like to read from the official description, if you don't mind. The game is set in 2021 in rural Italy. There lived an evil person named Visconte Dracula, <laughs> whose many evil magics created a bad world. Hang on a second. Hang with... on a second. <laughs> yes, I said magics like maths. No, that's fine. I, what I'm asking is, is that magic spelled with a CK? It's not. Uh, then it's not allowed. Can't be, can't be magics unless it's got a K in there. Whose many evil magics created a bad world filled with famine and suffering. It's now up to the members of the Belpiese family to end this. <laughs> I'm guessing that's how they want to say it. To end his reign of terror and return good food to the table. What? <laughs> Was that written by an Italian AI program? That- <laughs> Okay, that's exactly where my head went. I was like, okay, this was written in another language and then poorly translated. (laughs) But I love every second of it and I can't wait to watch this. I was trying to, this whole time I've been trying to, and I realized I can't, I don't know enough words in Italian. Uh, I was trying to come up with like the Italian equivalent of what chat GPT would be. (laughs) (laughs) You would have a better shot than me. I know you took Italian in high school. Uh, I I got nothing. Oh man. Um anyway, Vampire Survivors, a game you've never heard of, now a television series you've never heard of, which I will probably I'm be morbidly curious. Yeah. 
Uh, so Dune, Dune Part 2 trailer dropped a week ago. Sure did. How did you feel about that? It's pretty exciting. I, it, looks, it looks fun. Yes. I, all, I was watching it and I was like, man... I watched the first one again. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a minute. I, I I definitely want to watch it again before the movie comes out. I've I I know I must have told you when it happened, but it was just several months ago. I, I watched it again for the first time, like basically a year after <clears throat> seeing it for the first time. Um, still really liked it. Um, I still you know, the couple of little things I wish they could have changed or tweaked or whatever. It's like I, I for the most part I get it why they did what they did, but. As much as I liked it and think that they did some things really well, it still missed, felt like a slight missed opportunity. Hmm. Um, some of the things that they cut, I understand. Um, it is kind of crazy that that movie's about the same length as the original and still feels slightly rushed at times, What just what they yeah. chose to spend time on in this case. Uh, and some of the things they chose to spend the time on is pretty great, but it felt like it was at the cost of other things that I would have liked to see, even if I understand certain things that were cut, like why I think they made sense. Other things I would have preferred they kept or elaborated on a bit, but sure. I still really enjoyed it and I'm super excited for the second one. So cool. Yeah. I'm pumped. Um, it looks great. I mean, the, the first one was visually stunning. This one obviously follows in its footsteps. I don't know what is really going on in the trailer with the back and forth between, um, color and black and white but i think it looks awesome <laughs> well the black and white section was that was that the fight scene with um fave ratha was that was that what it was i forget uh, yeah okay so i think that's meant to be a specific sequence in the, in the book that character much like in this is basically was not seriously dealt with until like halfway through um is introduced very briefly early on, but it's basically just kind of there to be um, exposited towards, mm-hmm. uh, which is fine. Um, but uh, I think you the introduction to him in present day because that was you know quote unquote earlier. There's obviously a time jump within this one. Um, I, I think that's to to help fill the gap, and it's kind of a cool stylistic choice. It makes sense for gotcha. um, basically he's like. Um, he's going to be introduced as like a gladiatorial hero, but like cool. you know, by choice. Yeah, I, I, I imagined that it was going to be some sort of storytelling mechanic, like to separate it from the actual um, current yeah timeline. Uh, but that being said, it looks it looks great. Remind me, is this supposed to finish the first book? Yes. Okay, so it's just a two parter. Yes. And are there already plans for more, or no? I mean, obviously, the pandemic was like happened astride all of the making of this and the production yes. of all of these. The initial plan was to do the first book across two movies and then a third movie that would encapsulate all of the second book. Okay. And then we'll see from there. Gotcha. I have heard talk that that is still on the table. But hmm. I don't think they're going to do anything definitive until this one is out and everyone has had a chance to take a breath. Gotcha. Um, but also, during the course of that time, they greenlit at least one television show that's hmm. supposed to, I think, 
detail some of the history of the Bene Gesserit. Interesting. So, which is kind of a cool idea considering they're kind of a shadowy and super important organization within all of this. Right. Um, but uh, there is a pretty good, well-defined arc across those two books that would make for a, a solid trilogy of movies. So, like, I understand why that was the initial plan, but I don't think um, the uh, <clears throat> Denis Villeneuve wanted to commit to anything more than that. I think he would probably be interested in continuing to do stuff after that, but I don't think he wanted to commit to it considering this is already going to be a chunk of, like, five or six years. Sure. Cool. And was there a date on it? I don't remember. Uh, I think it's October of this year again. Oh, snap. Okay. I think. I would like to see this one in theaters. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I forgot you were weren't able to see the first one. That was a, yeah, that was an HBO Max joint for me. Yeah, I got to see that in IMAX. Uh, Palisades. <sighs> that, nice. was, that was a Jelly. Fun that experience. probably was amazing. Yeah, it was. I will say, um, on that note, Actually, no, okay, I'll forget about later. I did see a movie in theaters. I'll get into what the movie was later when we do consumption. But um, the quality of the actual viewing experience, like I love sitting in the movie theater. I love the giant screen. I love the sound system. It's all amazing. The picture quality is better at home. Yeah. And it's like, because the, like television technology has advanced so much, like an insane amount that like, it's almost like, Oh man, like that's kind of a bummer. Like a home theater is actually the idea, like, like an actual like darkened home theater. Well, like with a good sound setup and like a comfy seat, like is probably the ideal viewing experience well, for a blockbuster. It's because most movie theaters haven't actually made the jump right to having 4k projectors yet. Yeah, I guess I I just don't even know. Um, I'm not sure if I've actually witnessed one, or like a high end, or how that actually looks. But I do. I just in general like the the brightness ratios, the contrast, the HDR of an actual OLED panel, which is what I have in my basement. Yeah, is amazing. Like it's it's unbeatable right now, and I. I'd be really curious to see like what the highest of end projectors can actually do. Yeah, I'm not, I haven't seen like the most recent like few years where they're at, but I'm sure it would blow me away if I actually got to. So yeah. Anyway, it's neither here nor there. Moving on, Righteous Gemstones season three. Yeah, so they dropped a trailer today, uh, which actually I don't think I had, I didn't have the audio on, but it had the subtitles. I watched the trailer uh, a little while ago. And um, it's ridiculous as always. I, for, I forgot, sure. you haven't watched any, right? Or did you watch part of the first season? I forget. I watched a few episodes of the first season. Okay. Um, yeah. The, it's it's a truly ridiculous show. It's the classic McBride style of being super uncomfortable almost at all times. Um, sure. Uh, by design. Um, but it makes for great laughs and also great cringe. Um, they just keep great making cringe. more ridiculous shit i mean and this season it looks like they're adding i want to say steve i saw steve's on as a major player in this trailer and i think shay wiggum as well playing a i think that was shay wiggum playing an ancient nascar driver <laughs> like <laughs> he's not that old and they made him look like he was like 70 years old in this. awesome <laughs> um but uh yeah i don't know i just i really enjoy that show despite the fact that sometimes i need a moment between episodes because it's just like yeah. makes me so uncomfortable in the, in the same way that like early always sunny did to me or mm-hmm. like curb your enthusiasm does to me both shows that i adore but like 
sometimes you just need a little break because there be, <laughs> it begins to prevail upon your uh, existential crises that you may or may not uh, feel while watching. Oh, man. But uh, yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm excited for that. It's uh, nice. it's such a unique show. I don't know. I'm glad there's another season coming for you. Yeah. Tell me about this writer strike. So there's a writer strike going on. I don't know if you heard about this. Yeah. How 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 many days in are we? Uh, it's been a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, I don't have a specific news nugget. I just figured we'd um just kind of chat about it, especially considering the terms that they're kind of under right now with this, because technically shows that are already shooting a lot of them are continuing to shoot well, at least whatever material has been written. Mm-hmm. But that's the current Maginot line, if you will, of this war is there are sometimes loosely defined rules as to what writing is. And typically most shows have a writer on set. Mm-hmm. And so they may or may not be able to do certain things because I was hearing a little bit about it today. So I've, uh, I've, you know, obviously I listen to the Levitard show every day and they've had, they've cultivated relationships with a bunch of movie and television writers and directors. Um, Adam McKay, Bill Lawrence, um, Mike Schur, David Simon. So Schur <laughs> periodically is on every day. Um, Sometimes he's not on for a week or so, but some and sometimes he comes on for like five minutes. Sometimes he's on for a while. But um, he came on a couple weeks ago, to, right before the strike happened, and then right as it was starting, and gave a lot of the broad strokes of what the strike is all about and how it's the same and different from the last time. So, okay, I remember very well what happened i remember some of what happened as a result of it well some of it not so well actually uh alan my close personal friend alan sippenwell wrote a good story about um what the experience was like during it and what certain shows i haven't gotten through the whole article yet just because it's like a long form one and i want to really sit down and stick my teeth into it yeah but um the gist of what happened the last time around is the last big fight that they were fighting over was how streaming and residuals of online access to shows was going to be handled. Okay. And I'm now I'm hearing this from the side of someone who is in the writer's guild. So there is a bias there, which isn't to say that he's representing it incorrectly. And by and large, the way it's being presented, it's it's pretty cut and dry. I'm more or less in support of the writers on this. Um, Basically, it sounds like the pitch from the studios was, well, we don't know what this whole internet thing is about, and we don't we don't know how much money is in this. And the writer said, okay, so then it shouldn't be that big a deal for you to cut us into whatever little money you're going to make. And right. they didn't want to, because they were trying to pull a fast one, is the what's implied there. And sure, sure enough, you know, when they finally brokered the deal, the writers got a piece of all that. And of course they made, I mean, look at how much is on streaming. We're talking about the possible death of broadcast television. So clearly that was in the right. So this time the biggest um, action item is the use of AI okay. um, in future scripts. I don't believe it's actively being used in any way, shape or form, at least not anything that's major, but we know that's probably going to change. 
Mm-hmm. So obviously they want to dictate the terms of, or not dictate the terms. They want to come to terms over what that means, how people get paid, is that eliminating jobs, all that sort of stuff. Totally valid things to be collectively bargaining over, right? Whatever sure. the result is, it's not something that can just be done unilaterally by these studios. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of that. And also the fact that, you know, anytime, especially when we talk about um, collectively bargain industries, it's always an argument of, well, we're not making any money. I'm pretty sure that the last couple of years have been record profits, not record revenues, record profits for <laughs> the, the studios at large. I'm not saying that some studios might not have lost money, but sure. the industry has profited at record rates. Mm-hmm. The Writers Guild has been very clear on the fact that they are like haggling over 2% of profits, not revenues, profits. (laughs) That essentially the the current distribution is like 98% to the studios and 2% to the writers. (laughs) Now, obviously of that 98%, portions of that are going to directors and actors and all that stuff. It's not to say that they're breaking in 98%, but the point is that 98% is also being sub, sub divided by, again, percentage points to yeah. the other parties involved. Now, this strike is only about the writers. It has nothing to do with the actors, directors, cinematographers, all those fun things. Now, obviously, some of these people wear hats. There are actors who are also in the Writers Guild. There are directors who are in the Writers Guild. Vice versa. Like, there's all sorts of overlap here. So today, David Simon was on Levitar Show, and he was talking about... He's had a deal at HBO for like 25 years. He's the creator of um, The Wire. He was the creator of that show that came out, was it last year or the year before? Uh, we Own This City, uh, which is also about cops in Baltimore. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a theme. He was a newspaperman in Baltimore for a long time. Um, so it's a that's a subject obviously is near and dear to his heart. But he's been involved in other projects as well. So sure. he... What I had been hearing lately was that showrunners while they are currently on strike and not allowed to write are being instructed by the studios to continue to do the other facets of their job that aren't writing which is putting them in the crossfire between the two sides because sure if you are the executive producer of a show there are a lot of things that aren't writing that are within your job description so they have to talk to the union, tell them, hey, listen, these are my responsibilities, X, Y, Z, that aren't writing. I got to do these things. Let me know if there's any potential pitfalls in these things that I have to do that are going to come up against what we're not doing, which is writing. Right. Vice versa, going to the studios and saying, okay, these are the things I'm allowed to do. Is that going to maintain compliance with what you expect me to do? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, because... And the way David Simon was describing it today was, okay, you're a showrunner. You've written a script. You've rewritten the script. You finalized the script. You're going to shoot it. When you're shooting it, if there is a line that an actor is having trouble with, let's consider Empire Strikes Back. There's a legendary stories about Harrison Ford and George Lucas rewriting on the fly the line when Leia says, I love you. Han says, I know. Originally, he says, I love you too. They fought over that line. They've tried a million different versions of it and other lines. And finally, Harrison Ford settled on, I know. And that was what became authentic. And that's in the final cut. It's 
it's an iconic scene. It's an iconic line among Star Wars fandom. Yep. That's writing. Mm-hmm. You're not allowed to do that if you're shooting <laughs> scene under Yikes. strikes. So you can understand how tenuous complications it is. have arisen. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, you hear the, the kind of the conversation around it framed as, okay, they're not writing anything anymore. No one's writing. But we no longer have the reliance on network shows, which often have only shot a couple of episodes in advance of what's airing. You're still writing and producing and ultimately shooting stuff that is going to happen later in the season. With so many of these scripted shows being only like eight or 10 or 12 episodes long, most, if not all of the episodes have been shot and maybe you're just in post-production like VFX and all that stuff after the season started airing. So we have much more in the hopper now than we did at that time when the Mm -hmm. strike started. So this may be a more prolonged strike than it was last time. But some of these shows that are in production already that have gotten past the quote unquote writings thing may or may not be able to finish shooting because of this fraught relationship between what writing is and isn't (laughs) while we're working on set. Um, Yeah. So it's uh. That's kind of a, an overly simplistic like view of what's going on currently. But if anyone hasn't read into these it's things. It's such a shame uh, for the consumer because I feel like we definitely felt the last one. Yeah. Right. We all saw um, Quantum some, Matala. We, we all saw Quantum. We all like the, uh, even even shows as good as Breaking Bad. Right. They had their their dips. Um, well, actually, on, on that, this this article that Steppenwolf wrote talks about that show a lot. I'm really curious because I didn't watch that show concurrently. So I don't know exactly what phase of the show lined up with the strike. So I want to hear what he has to say about it. Cause yeah. he's written books about that show. So I, I did, I, I didn't want, like we were, we were still doing the catch up game of, of watching all seasons, but there was a, and I don't remember it's been so long since I've watched it, but there was definitely a moment in time where like something's not, something's not quite right in this pocket. And it turned out that when I went back and researched it, it was because that was the pocket that was affected by the previous writer's strike. So what then, so what I was getting, getting back to us, <laughs> the viewers, um, what really sucks is there was a, we had talked about this during the, the COVID era that like, it was fun for a bit because we were getting a lot of big things that were coming directly to home for us to watch, which was nice. And then there was a lull and a big lull. And that was the concern. Like eventually you were going to hit this pocket of time where like all of that freezing of time doesn't happen then for you that who's downstream, it happens later. Right. So the the hope was that after that was all going to happen was that we would basically have this television and movie renaissance. Yeah. And now this is happening, which is going to completely derail that that momentum that was that momentum yeah. and that sucks yeah. that sucks so much <laughs> um i mean granted i you know i i think that people should be paid and paid adequately for their job and i don't think that this is something to be taken lightly i'm just saying as the person downstream i'm bummed yeah yeah i mean <laughs> on the one hand you know maybe i'll have an opportunity to catch up on some of the things i've missed the last few years that i wanted to get to that's a good way of looking at on it. On the other hand, I don't like that it comes at the expense of the continued production of other amazing things that I love. Um, sure. 
it's also it's it's kind of crazy because we think of that industry as being so flush with cash and it is (laughs) flush (laughs) with cash (laughs) and and so many people have made so much money on that but you don't really like showrunners make a ton of money like larry david is obscenely wealthy because of seinfeld and now curb enthusiasm like just the amount of money he made is truly unreal but that money mostly doesn't exist anymore because that was when you had the biggest broadcast show for a decade that then gets syndicated up the ass for 20 right. years and he made hundreds of millions of dollars that way mm-hmm. and he wasn't the only person to make an insane amount of money like other yeah. people who created other shows in the 70s 80s 90s and early 2000s made a tremendous amount of money because of similar things it doesn't really happen anymore and that's really only for the showrunner and the top line stars it's not for the lesser writers which isn't to say the lesser in quality but just like lesser experience who have the smaller contributions to the show now obviously right. they should be paid less but the question is how much less and the, the way david simon was talking about it today i was i didn't realize the state of affairs it was something that i found interesting because we're not writing an hour-long show for a network anymore which would be as you've joked with AMC 38 minutes, but realistically like 43 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever. Um, you're now writing hour long shows that are 58 minutes or 56 minutes. Um, yeah. We're no longer doing 22 episode seasons. It's only 10 or 12 episode seasons, but the amount of time that's being taken to write those is about the same. Mm-hmm. Or the amount of like the same amount of work is going into, we'll say, but because it's ten episodes, they may have contracts for only ten weeks, say, as opposed to a twenty-two episode show getting twenty-two weeks. So some of these smaller writers are not getting paid enough to live. Like they're not right. making any money hardly. Yeah. Uh, did you hear the show? Did you hear about the show The Bear? I don't know if you watched that or not. Mm, I feel like. Did you bring this up at one point? I'm sure we must have talked about it. I didn't watch it, though. It's one of the ones I'd like to get to. It was a FX show, or FX on Hulu show, um, that got a tremendous amount of critical acclaim. It was the last year or the year before, I forget. Um, So one of the staff writers for that show was on the Levitard show last week, and he was talking about, like, that show was awarded like crazy. He's like, I, I have a couple hundred dollars. Yeah. He's like, I, it, it was, it was 10 weeks of work. And then you don't have another show after that. Yeah. Even with it being beloved, and like you would think people would want to snap everyone up. And some people are getting opportunities and some aren't like, it's not that easy when you're low on the totem pole and sure. they're trying to squeeze. However, cause I didn't realize the level I was reading a little bit into the specific, um, asks or whatever on the negotiation it's like some of these things that they talk about like the amount of like you have to like broker okay for a 10 episode show a minimum of this many writers has to be hired like that's how the the current or the former cba was going for them i i didn't know that that was a thing i just figured oh whoever is making the show just and the studio decides oh well we need five people or we need three people no it has to do with the amount of episodes and all that sort of stuff uh, uh, it's kind of a fascinating subject hmm. I, I didn't realize all what it interesting yeah wow 
Well, this will be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Yeah. Well, so the foreseeable future. So the news I saw today was because some of these shows, the showrunners, even though the studios have more or less demanded that they keep working or whatever, they suspended production on Andor season two today. Mm. Even though that's something they've been shooting because you know, a lot of these shows are being rewritten as they go. Like, okay, like we've locked in concrete the first two episodes and we have pretty good scripts for the succeeding eight, but we'd like to keep working on them until the day we get to shoot. And, you know, you rewrite and you rewrite and you rewrite. And that was part of what Simon was talking about today was, okay, you have one of these, say like MCU shows or Star Wars shows or, DC shows or whatever, you know, it's okay. We're going to hire you for 10 weeks. You write to 10 scripts mm-hmm. and then they just let those people go. <laughs> and it's like, okay, we'll just figure it out as we go. We're not holding onto those people through the shooting process and thus yeah. having an opportunity to rewrite and rewrite and rewrite. Because that's how you write well. You write well because you keep rewriting and you keep rewriting. Yeah. Oh, well, keep an eye on Endor season two for whether or not we feel this one. Yeah, um, I and we will because one of the things that you are not going to be able to, you might be able to fix it eventually with a contract and getting people back in the door and actually starting back up again. But again, similar to what we were I was talking about with COVID leading into now another writer strike, is what you've done is you've killed momentum, and killing momentum kills creativity. So yeah, because you got to release people. Okay, we're not going to shoot, which means we can't block off your time because we can't afford to pay you to not yeah. shoot. So people go and say, okay, well, I have this other project. That script's done. I'm going to go shoot that. I can go shoot that sooner, or I can take this job. I can take this, this cameo role in this thing. And then who knows when you get back on set and yeah. what you shot. Ugh. If you started shooting part of an episode, you may have to shoot that over entirely because things change over time. Mm-hmm. Brutal. Well, we'll see what happens. Why don't we move into some consumption? Something that maybe we'll be lacking in the future. (laughs) (laughs) Consume it now while you can. Yeah, exactly. Let's start with TV consumption. Okay. What are you watching? Uh, So I am up to date on Succession. I'm up to date on Ted Lasso. Um, I... I'm not up to date on, but I had been watching, I think I'm two episodes behind on Lucky Hank. Okay. Um, I started watching season two of Star Wars Visions, which came out oh, nice. last week. Um, I think that's it for television. All right. So since we've last spoken, Mando has come to an end. Yes. Season three. Um I was very happy with how that all played out. It was that show is so interesting in like the waves that it rides. It's like crazy bombastic nonsense, and then it's like lull episode, but story building and character development, and then like craziness, and then a little bit of both, and then side story that like largely irrelevant, but it's just like all over the place. But it's such an entertaining thing to watch, uh, and I really enjoyed the third season as much as I've enjoyed the previous ones. I did like the season. There were certainly some things I really liked. Some things I kind of meh. Yeah. I think 
it was weirdly inconsistent. And definitely so, was inconsistent. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think I quite liked it as much as the first two seasons, but I did still like it. Yeah, I feel like the tone is very different, just because like each 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 season definitely has like a a, a core feeling to it. Like the introductory season was amazing, right? Like learning about Din and like how he fits in this whole world, and then like the second season and the sheriff and all that stuff was like just a really cool like had a, a much heavier Western vibe to it. This actually had probably the most Star Wars vibe to it. Yeah. Of the seasons. Um, but, and, and I, I very much enjoyed it. I, I like that they, each one has been unique, but at the same time you get to hang with these characters who you love, who you love and grow to love over time. Um, it was, it was a very entertaining, uh, like seven weeks, I guess. Was it seven episodes? I, I know when it was like season finale streaming now, and I was like, what? I think <laughs> I think over? every season's been eight episodes. Uh, so anyway, they're quick, but it was very fun. Succession, I too am up to date. I finished the, I, I watched Sunday's episode last night. Um, so I, I, I'm interested to see where it's going. I'm a little bit concerned that there's not going to be some sort of cap to this series based on how things are rolling. I would assume there will be, but the question is what form does that take exactly? I mean, I think we're starting to see spoiler for, if you haven't watched the whole season of succession, but I did feel that, by hook or by crook by the end of the season Logan was going to die. I was a little surprised sure. that it was so soon. That it was so soon. I actually kind of appreciate that cuz it it was able to resonate fully as far as a shocking moment despite the fact that you think it's going to happen at some point. To have it happen mm-hmm. so early, you, you know, you wonder is it just another fake out considering he's dodged brushes with his health like every yeah. season now. Um and the way that episode was shot was just so gripping mm-hmm. and charged in adrenaline filled. Like it was just an incredible hour of television. Um, it's one of my favorite episodes of the whole show because it's just, sure. it's so fraught and emotional and there's just some really clever cinematography choices that I yeah. really, really dug. And we saw some tremendous performances from like all the leads. I mean, I thought that was a, a huge Matthew McFadden episode. I thought it was a huge Jeremy Strong um, episode. Sarah Snook got to really show off her full emotional range. Um, and from just like, obviously it's very light on plot, but from just a character standpoint, you got so much of these terrible people and they're all pretty terrible. Yeah. They're but all awful. for a moment, you can empathize at least one moment of in, in the episode. You can empathize with each character, I think, and so, some more than others, but <clears throat> at least one point in, in the whole episode, I felt like you could, if you just divorce yourself from how dreadful these people are, you can say for just a second at some point or other. Yeah. A fleeting moment. Yeah. No more than that. Sure. Um, but you know, when, when it, whether it's Kendall saying, dad, I, I love you. I, I hate you. I'm not okay with what you did, but I forgive you. I just like, cause you've been there for the whole bit of it. Yeah. You've seen Kendall try to love him. You've seen him try to hate him. 
and you've seen that it's not okay, but that you know that all along he's wanted his approval. It's like, man, if I didn't hate you so much, I would be there crying with you now. Like, but I do mm-hmm. hate you. So, because <laughs> you are terrible. Yeah. I, it's funny. Like, I, I can, I get it, and I can get feeling some emotion for some of these characters. Like, for again, very fleeting though. Sure. Um, you gotta, well, it's, it's just the, that moment. I, I, I loathe Kendall just about the whole rest of the episode. I mean, I, I found I it fascinating, but like, in that moment, and he's not a real person, right? Like, it, like yeah. it's fine. But, like, in that moment, you can watch his whole path that leads him to here. I feel terrible sure. for a, that person being that fucked up. Because, like, I think he I, is among the worst of the people. But at definitely. the same point, like, as many bad choices as he's made, he is still a product of the terrible upbringing of this terrible man. For sure. And I will say, like, and that's and that's like the key, right? And that's like where you can find a little bit of empathy is just that one aspect of it. However, I feel that Kendall has done enough horrible things on his own. Oh, absolutely! That he's like an like most most every character is irredeemable. Like he, he's faced zero repercussions, zero real yeah. repercussions for killing a person. So like, yeah, he's so a terrible I feel, person. I had no remorse. Like I didn't even have like I get how you could, but I had zero remorse for Kendall. Don't care at all. Uh, Shiv, I hate. I hate her so much. I think she might actually. She's the new worst. Logan was the worst. Shiv is the new worst to me. No, Kendall I, I is still the think, close I, second. I still think Logan's the worst. And well, Logan's dead, but yeah. So I I still think Kendall's worst because he killed someone. Um, but yeah, she's she's quickly moved up to second. Bad. Probably it's bad yeah. news. I. Among the family, I mean, I don't like Matson is probably right up there, but like I, I'm talking about only that's God, like yeah, family members in this case. Yeah, but yeah. So speaking, of, but continuing on with the family, uh, mm-hmm. Roman Roman is the only one that like I do end up like throughout the series feeling bad for because there's clearly so much wrong with him, like like that, like so much damage has been done to him over the years, like from birth. But they all have, all of them have had. They all, they all have, but for some, there's something about his storyline in particular that like, and like the ambiguity around things that have happened to him that make it like, that make him out to, to be much more of like a victim that you can get behind in certain circumstances. It's the casual nature because the one wonders how ambiguous it is. It's the casual nature. Is, is he gaslighting them? Are they gaslighting right. him? Is he gaslighting himself? Yeah, it's all over the place. Did he or did he not get asked to be put in that cage? It keeps coming back to that. Yeah. So now, and okay, so that's that's the family, and then there's Tom, who's like secondary family. Yeah. I mean, right. at this point, like, you know, like he's been part of the family from the like. I understand he's not one of the sons, but he yeah. is absolutely a product of this family's stuff at this point. I mean, like, I would say he's less bad than the children. Yeah. Still like a, just a, not a, maybe not a bad person, but a detestable person. Yes. But there's still, there's definitely like, there is some love in him though. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) You you said you, you, you still have a little bit more leeway for Roman than the other ones. To me, Tom is the one that as, as much as I, I loathe him, like as just like I just think he's such a, a bore, but yeah. And as as much as he's willing to stifle it and say and do terrible things, mostly say terrible things. So yeah, there are real windows into an actual human in there. Yes, 
And like uh, he, as much as it's gross, especially how much in the of, last episode. Yeah. Well, really, there's been breadcrumbs all along the way. I mean, mm-hmm. one of the most powerful lines in the whole show is the scene on the beach in the second season when he says to Shiv, sometimes I wonder if the pain I would feel without you would be less than the pain I would feel with you. Yeah. That was such a powerful line and such a powerful delivery by him mm-hmm. in that scene. And like we've seen that all along the way. In the first season when she tells him that she wants to have an open marriage, like an hour after they got married. Yeah. That scene in season two. Brutal. Um, in season three, when he volunteers half-heartedly to go to prison and be the fall guy. And she's like, yeah, you should go to prison. Yeah. <laughs> like, and now what she's done to him this season, it a lot, every, there's been a, like a crowning moment of it every season of how terrible that she's been to him. Yeah. And his portrayal of her last season was was just as bad as any of the things that she's done. But like, if we're going to keep score and you shouldn't keep score to marriage, it's still 4-1 Shiv. Yeah. Yeah. The, that scene on the beach was a great one. But the, I've definitely enjoyed, I thought the scene of the two of them on the balcony in this in the previous episode. Oh, phenomenal. Was incredible. just an incredible. That, and the whole, like, when he, and like, you know, the the mic drop moment of him yelling, like, you were going to let me go to jail. Like that yes. whole, I was like, I was like, Ooh, I was like, it's all coming out right now. And then I, it's just so funny. Cause you get caught up in the arguments that are happening in this show with when we, meanwhile, when you take a step back, you're like, no, I'm not, I, I am not rooting for anyone. I hate all of you. But when she was like, you don't deserve me. I was like, no, you don't deserve Tom. What am I saying? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, and, so, and that's the thing. I know. We don't see eye to eye on this exactly. <laughs> I know academically you understand, intellectually yeah. you understand my argument on this. Yeah. Even if you don't feel it, and that's fine. Yeah. But why this show is so incredible is, yes, I hate every one of them so much. But the the confluence of writing and direction and performance makes you root against your own interests i find in a way that a lesser show would not be capable of evoking those mm-hmm. that empathy from you Which because at the crazy, end of the day considering when, that when you uh, shut it off when you shut it off you're like oh i hate all of them but yeah in the moment <laughs> you look past it yeah i I only I only look past it for like split seconds at a time while, while enough, I'm in the moment, but still, That's enough. but still, yeah. I the um, oh god, I hate them so much. I hate them all. I, I, I my the thing is like we think about the the Sopranos and we've talked about them at length before, but I don't think that there was ever a moment in that show where I particularly rooted for one character over another um, i just hated everybody and i would hope i would wish ill on people more so in one moment than another so this with this show this one i actually like actually end up in pockets being like no okay right now 
I want this person to come out on top. Well, that's why this show, I think, is a worthy successor f- to that one. Because that's the first one to do anything like this. Everything yeah. that's spawned since then, whether it be directly in the case of Mad Men or, in, or indirectly in the case of Breaking Bad, they have a bunch of hateable characters and they make you root for one hateable character. In The Sopranos, every season, you end up rooting for Tony at some point. Whether it be against Uncle Junior, because him and his mother conspire to kill him. Mm. Whether it be against... um, Oh, I forget the... Jackie April in the second season. Someone who he welcomes back in, he puts back up on his feet, and Jackie's ego lets him think that tony should be bending the knee to him and not the other way around mm-hmm. you root and then you see jackie you know smack around his sister and so when she shoots him it's like okay great you know yeah or when it comes to ralphie Cifaretto, who is the most disgusting character that exists on that show when tony is beating the shit out of him you're rooting for it it's a terrible brutal display of violence but it's being acted upon the worst person that is on the show. Mm -hmm. But all the other characters, you tend not to root for in any way, shape or form meaningfully over anything, right? It's, it only ever comes back to Tony. And in the same way with Dexter or breaking bad, you root for the antihero slash the villain who is the protagonist at times while also ultimately in lesser times saying, eh, this person's not great. And then they keep roping you back into just that one person. This show is the perfect spiritual successor to The Sopranos because it was able to take that model, which only worked for the central character, and is able to twist and manipulate it in such a way that, depending on what's going on, you could be rooting for anyone on the Sure. Even Logan at times. When Kendall teams up with Sandy and Stewie with the bear hug. Yeah. You want to see how Logan's going to wriggle out of it. Mm-hmm. because Kendall isn't worthy in that time no so even Logan you can root for when when Shiv is getting sidelined by the brothers you wonder what's she gonna do to get the upper hand here when Kendall reaches his lowest and then decides to find God for like one second and he burns Logan with the files on the cruise scandal you're rooting yeah. for Kendall there you realize of course that the, that predictably that's a super shallow move. It's purely tactical on his standpoint. He's not actually making a morality play. And so you immediately go back to hating Kendall again. But for one moment, even if he doesn't actually fool you, you're willing to be convinced. Every one of these people you can root for, even if it's for a moment, because they're fighting against someone who's even grosser than they are. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I will. I would like to correct a portion of this whole narrative that the Sopranos started all this thing all of this type of storytelling because really it was Seinfeld. <laughs> but that uh, was an outright comedy, not it it was. However, it is the I feel like that's my origin for like, like that's the first thing that I can think of where everybody is terrible. Yeah, but it's much lesser terrible. No one's getting killed. Yeah. It's, well. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> but um no, it's it's funny. The I I still stand by I don't think the, the Sopranos doesn't hold up to me. Um this works a little bit better for today. 
especially with the length of the seasons and the quality of each episode. Well, they're they're both um, products of their time. Sure. Yeah, so we'll see how how this one stands the test of time. Um, I I don't I I truly do not feel that The Sopranos has, and for other folks that have watched it for the first time recently, I'm generally able to get them, like like to agree, like yes, good, yes, I get it. I don't, I don't. It doesn't. It's not really for me, and I'd much rather watch something else. Oh, that's fine. Um, but this. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for the show to be over. <laughs> I'm exhausted by it, but it is it it's I I am curious to see where it goes. I do hope that it goes with them all getting buried, um, because that would be my perfect ending for this. Sure, but, but you know this world. To. Yeah. So, I'm sh- surely someone will have some sort of consequences somewhere, but this doesn't end with like Seinfeld with all of them going to prison. No. I was a little bit worried, like, especially with his exhaustion. I thought Tom was going over that balcony. Yeah, it was was very telegraphed. Like they kept like angling it that way. They kept pushing him outside. Like it was weird. And like he was breaking down slowly over the episode until it all comes to a head. And I was like, this is intense. Well, I will say the the show is so good that I felt a certain level of like fictional bloodlust within myself last night towards the end of that episode where <laughs> when it's all said and done that episode I was like so this episode ends with him killing himself or Shiv killing herself or him killing Shiv mm-hmm. or Shiv killing him right I mean yeah you would like that seemed like that was where it was rushing towards yeah and when you couple it with the scorpion and the frog metaphor that's been carried along the whole episode, which is just mm-hmm. a microcosm of the entire show with the two of their relationship, which by the way, the most hilarious, one of the most hilariously stupid things anyone's ever done in the show. He buys her <laughs> a, a scorpion to indicate her that she is the scorpion in the scorpion and the frog metaphor. And he's like, no, it's funny. It's a joke. And then she brings it up. He's like, yeah, no, of course. You're a terrible person. You keep hurting me. <laughs> like, like, why would he do that? Like, like they, it seemed like they had kind of sort of patched things up. Yeah. And it was always doomed for it to fail at some point. I was a little surprised how quickly it failed again. But it, it was never more obvious that it was going to fail than when he's given her this stupid gift. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That was so dumb. And, and I will admit a little heavy-handed when he screams at her. You're someone who I think probably shouldn't have children. And, you know, of course, he still doesn't know. Yeah. She still hasn't told him, but it's a little heavy handed, but genuine, I think, and authentic to the character. I mean, yeah, in, and in their the, relationship and yeah. the things that they've talked about. In yeah. the same way with Madsen, who's in, in no way, shape, or form veiled, he's Elon Musk in the show. Like, that's who they're writing. Yeah. When he gets into the argument with Kendall and just screams, well, your numbers are gay. And it's like, yeah, like that's that's par for the course. Mm-hmm. A bit heavy handed, but it gets the point across, right? It's 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 almost exactly the same situation as when those kids were trapped in was it Vietnam or Thailand? I forget. In the Thailand. Country. And the he offers the submarine and the guy who's like 
coordinating the things like I appreciate the offer, but like it's not helpful. And then Elon Musk calls him a pedophile. Yeah. It's the same thing. Like that's what they're doing. Yeah. Just smidge heavy handed. Well, your numbers are gay. <laughs> and it's like, uh Yeah, no, I mean that sounds that sounds right. Like that would be what he would <laughs> that would be what he would do in this situation. But like you probably you probably could have been just a slight bit more deft than in your touch than than that. I am annoyed at the amount of talent that that family is capitalizing on. It's just ridiculous. The Skarsgårds are just too good at what they do. Yeah. I mean, we're going to talk <laughs> more about on that later. Yeah, we'll talk about it a little bit more. It's, it's not fair, especially when you consider how young Bill is. Like he's yeah. like my age, right? <laughs> yeah. He's already okay. a fantastic actor. We spent a ton of time on Succession. Yes. I think what we should do is let's burn through the rest of consumption, pausing periodically, and we'll save some things for next week. Um, that being said, you had mentioned, uh, I, I will also, I also am watching Ted Lasso. I'm also up to date on that. I was surprised to find that there was an episode available yesterday, which I didn't. Uh, all season I, long, the Wednesday episodes are being made available on Tuesday. Oh, okay. So it's I a Tuesday show. That. I don't know why they're still calling Great. it a Wednesday show when it's on every Tuesday it's out. Good to know. I didn't have to be waiting for it this whole time. Um, but I love it. I love the way that that episode played out. I, I've just been, I, I, I just adore that show and I'm already ready to rewatch it. We, we were we eating dinner. Oh, so we I was like, we don't have time to relitigate the uh, rectangle table uh, debate that we all had rectangle Saturday. <laughs> well, there was six yeah. of us at your table. Uh, yeah. It was a great conversation. Um, I will say, for as much of my complaints about, I don't think that, it's, that the whole show is, this season has been poorly written. I, I feel like it's been inconsistent where there have been super strong moments and there's been super weak moments. I thought this week's episode was incredibly well written. I thought no, it was a fantastic it was, episode. It was it wonderful. Might have been uh, the best episode of the season. I was I, Kim and I was sat down to eat dinner. She's like, "We don't have anything to watch." I was like, "Do you want to just watch last night's episode again?" Because <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's been great. Uh, we watched all of the final season of Working Moms since we've last spoken. Which I don't know if you've watched that show, but it's seven seasons. No, it's a lot. It has it. Who's it in that changes. show? That I don't know if I can place that one. It's on Netflix. Uh, I think her name is Catherine Reitman, um, is the creator. It's it's really good. It's very silly. Uh, some seasons take a little while to get their footing slash recover from where they decide to go. But all in all, it was an entertaining watch. Um, and we we you go through it pretty quick. Some of the things they come out with are just hilarious. But it, it was it was good. I'm uh, another one, definitely done. Good thing they finished it. Like it was getting a little long on the tooth, but entertaining. Um, a million little things I have mentioned in the past that we watch. There's the series finale. We have it. Uh, we have not watched it because that show has taken a turn in the last episode where it's like, why are you doing? Why are you doing this thing that makes it so awful? Wait, sorry, why which, we, which show? A million little oh, okay. things. I thought that's like they've decided to make a make a move with a character that's just like absolutely devastating and horrible and unnecessary for the end of the series and maybe they have a stronger feeling on why it should be done this way um it feels like uh it just feels wrong mm. like like taking advantage of your emotions type of thing i i it's we'll eventually probably watch it but right now like kim's like i don't even like i don't even want to finish it like we, we watched the entire series there's one episode left and we're like i and like i don't blame her. i'm like i don't really want to watch it either i want to watch it so that it's off my plate i mean if point. it's one episode you gotta do it 
eventually we will but like it's just it's irritating what they've done that's um anyway that's that's a show that was like and like i mean granted it's not it's not a, a, a it's it's a family drama show it's like None of those are good shows. I don't know how to describe <laughs> this. Like they're not like they're, except Parenthood. I don't know if you ever watched Parenthood, but that show was fantastic. I saw the movie. I never saw the show. The show was great, but like this is like, you know, we're gonna pull on your heartstrings every episode or every two episodes in a really rough way, or and you know, and and it's fine, but like it's gotten it got dark. NBC's like, really got the uh, the uh, market corner on that, right? Because right, yeah, like, wasn't Parenthood NBC, and it's also they had. Um, that show with Mandy Moore. This is us. Uh, this is us. Same show. Yeah. I think it was. They're yeah. the same show. Yep. Anyway, that's that's my two cents on a million little things. Moving on to um to movies. Uh, we obviously we're going to be doing John Wick, which is the first time that we're doing a relevant movie in a while. <laughs> um, I was happy I got to see that in theaters. I also got to see Guardians of the Galaxy three on opening night yeah i still haven't got a chance to see i it. haven't done an opening night in so long now <laughs> and by opening night i mean like you know thursday evening because yeah. i love i love that this has become a thing it's like we're gonna play it at midnight on thursday and friday cool we could probably make some more money out of this if we put a few more showings in cool let's just say it opens friday but it's available all day Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what it's come down I to. I mean, certainly they've gotten to the point where like it was midnight, then it was like 10, then it was like yeah. 7. Have they encroached <laughs> even further on the day? Oh, yeah. It, I mean, the earliest show was 5. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was real early. But anyway, that was... Um, we'll, we'll talk about that movie when we actually get to it. But I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Uh, and then two more movies that I have to touch on. One, Renfield, hmm. which um, I think is still in theaters. But it's also available. But you could buy it. Yeah. Yeah. So I just we just bought it. It's the cost of two movie tickets to just buy it versus renting it is the cost of one and a half movie tickets. So it's like (laughs) just buy it and then you have it if you want to watch it again. Um, Very silly. It's a. It's very funny because the script, the story, what they're doing, complete nonsense. Shouldn't work, right? It's dumb. It should be a B movie. It is a stupid, stupid, stupid (laughs) thing that they've done. However. Every single person that is performing in the movie is giving a hundred percent, and I don't understand why, but it works, <laughs> and it's so funny. It's just really, it's just a dumb like it is a, it's like a six or a seven, but like for a movie that should be a one or a two, okay. Like, and it's it's really like it's very. Enter- I mean, Nick Cage doing his thing, very entertaining. Uh, you got Ben Schwartz, always a good time. Uh, what's his name? Nicholas Holt. Mm-hmm. The range on this guy is unacceptable. Like it's, <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's out of, it's out of control. It's like, no, uh, similar to the scars. I was like, why are you so good at this? Like, he's <laughs> <laughs> just a really, really tremendous Aquafina. So funny. Like, it's just, it's worth the watch. I think we should, we'll definitely, uh, it's definitely worth us doing or covering on the show. And I think you would enjoy it yourself. I think my parents watched it. Um, I think they rented it uh, Saturday when I was uh, with you guys. Um, okay, nice. They they liked it. They said it was silly. It's very silly. I didn't watch it. I, I'll, I'll get around to it eventually. Um, it's I, got a little bit of everything in it. It's got a little, you know, it's like nonsense Dracula. It's got a little bit of Scott Pilgrimy vibes with some of the cuts that it does. It's just fun. It's just, it's, 
again, the concept, it's got a little what we do in the shadows because of how ridiculous the concepts are. And like, the, it's just, it's, it's so, it's so silly. And I very much enjoyed myself. And then my dad was over. He was watching Elio while we went for, we went to a couple open houses. When we came back, he had just started a movie. So I sat down and started watching the movie with him. It was called Paranoia. Have you ever heard of this movie? I'm not sure. Came out in like 2013. Gary Oldman, uh, Harrison Ford, uh, the main actor's name is escaping me. He's Liam Hemsworth. I don't think I know this one. Okay. Ow. Start watching the movie. I'm like, what is this random movie that's on? And it's like, it's over the top with like technical jargon that is not accurate programming things that are not accurate, like guy soldering a circuit board and like phones lighting up, like just a stupid things like what that. What is it with the Hemsworths with weird, uh, weirdly niche programming movies that know. are not accurate? Cause he was in, was it black hat or white hat, whatever it was called. Yeah. Yeah. Chris? I, I, I have no idea, but this movie does a weird thing. Uh, Amber Heard also in it. It does a weird thing where it's like, okay, the the technical jargon and stuff you're throwing around is absolute nonsense. But the story so far, compelling. Interesting. See where it's going. Oh, cool. Building relationships. And then somewhere, like, I don't know, two-thirds through the movie, I'm like, did the writers leave? <laughs> like, yeah, what there, was a, there was a strike. <laughs> because it's it gets so bad. Like, so bad. Whereas, like, it was borderline compelling before. And like, all they had to do was stick with that. Like it wouldn't have been hard to stick the landing even slightly, but they just go way off the deep end. And I'm like, all I can think about in this movie is how the fuck did this get made? <laughs> like who, like they greenlit this movie. They, they obviously spent a lot of money in names. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, but somebody, Somebody read this script start to finish, right? Before they said yes. I, and I'm like, who? <laughs> I always wonder that when you get a movie that has like big names, like not has been names, big names. And then it's like a dreadful movie. And it's like, how do they get them to stay on set? Who had compromising photos of them? Right. Right. Yeah. Harrison Jobs was uh, was a bit much towards the end. Oh. Like, I mean, like, turtleneck, circular glasses. Like, it was, <laughs> I couldn't, I, it was, like, a little on the nose. <laughs> but it's just, like, this movie is absolutely ridiculous. You should, and then it you should submit that. And one. I was like, what did I watch? You, you should submit that one, too. How did this get made? And I, yeah. I would listen to that episode just because yeah. of this. Yeah, I, I, I would love to hear them talk about this. Anyway, those are those are the movies. Do you I, have a list of movies? I saw the Super Mario Brothers movie in theaters oh. um, with Dominic dressed as Mario. <laughs> so I sent, Show me that you did. I sent you a picture of us in Buffalo Wild Wings afterwards. <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah, it was like a fifty-five-year-old man who came up to Dominic and Buffalo Wild Wings to take a picture with him because he was dressed as Mario. <laughs> are you the real Mario? <laughs> um, oh my god. Yeah, that was a that was a fun movie. It was very silly. Um, I want to watch that. Definitely worth a, worth a watch. Um, it, it was it was nice. It was cool how they got all the different like Mario and Mario adjacent properties um, associated in the thing. And cool. Jack Black's ridiculous. 
I love it. Chris I love Jack Black. Pratt is surprisingly not that annoying. Um, the Donkey Kong thing was was fun. I forgot that Seth Rogen was playing Donkey Kong. Um, oh, I didn't even realize. Yeah. Um, but the the whole group, because they have like a whole subplot that goes into like straight up like DK Racing slash like Diddy Kong, like that whole cool. thing. So yeah, it was it was a good time. It was uh, nice. You know, it was uh, it was an animated movie. It was it was par for the course. I'll check that out for sure. I feel like I saw something else that I hadn't seen like on like streaming or something a few year, a few weeks ago, but I don't remember what now. Um. There's a couple things I still want to see that I haven't gotten to that came out in the last few weeks. I still haven't watched Ghosted, which I want to watch. It's probably terrible, Same. but I want to see it. I want to watch Quasi. That's the Broken Lizard movie. That's like kind of their oh. take on Quasimodo, but not really. It sounds like. Okay. I think all of them play like two or three roles in the movie. God. Okay. Uh, I think that's on Hulu. Um, and obviously, I want to see Guardians, but I just haven't got a chance sure. to get there yet. Um, well, you'll get there. Yeah. Um, get there. And then there's one last thing that we. Well, so I have two two things. One quick thing that I want to talk about, and then something that we should still talk about. Um, I have been crushing some books lately. Nice. Most of them have been on the shorter side, but uh, obviously, I I don't think I actually talked about it in the last episode. I remember I had it in the notes, but uh, I had finished the Foundation series. I don't have to get into that too much, but I enjoyed my time with it. It was. It built towards something entirely unexpected in the last two books. Um, but still, it was uh, it was an adventure. It was interesting. Cool. So I've talked about it a bunch of times that I'm a huge fan of... I've been kind of raised on Cold War thrillers and spy-type movies and books. Yeah. I have a deep abiding love for Robert Ludlum's work. I'm a huge Tom Clancy fan. There was... I mean, there's obviously been a million other writers who've written those stories, but there's one other titan of that industry that i never really engaged with too much of that i finally decided to take care of and that's john le carre he wrote a bunch of different spy books that were supposed to take place like mostly i think in the cold war um i have talked a million times on this sh- about the night manager which was a show on amc well i think it was technically a bbc production with bbc and amc are associated um, yeah. That is based on one of his books, but not part of his kind of overarching series that a lot of his books were, which all concern in some way, shape, or form the character George Smiley. So I'm reading through the George Smiley books. Um, the first one was Call for the Dead. The second one was Murder of Quality. The first one, it's you know, him, it's him as like spy type stuff. It's kind of a Jack Ryan style thing where it's he's not James Bond. He's yeah. A guy who works at a desk who has been in the war, but is not going out and kicking ass. Yeah. The second one, he kind of does a Sherlock Holmes thing. I wasn't as big a fan of that one. It, it was fine, but it just wasn't... It was, a, it was a detective novel, essentially. The third one, though, he's barely in. But that was Le Carre's first major hit. It was The Spy Who Came In From The Cold. You may have heard of that one. It's like a mm-hmm. famous one. It's been a movie and all that stuff. Fantastic book. That's... Cool. That's that cool old school spy ship that I love. Um, that was really, I really enjoyed that one. And I'm on the the one after that, which is um, the mirror, the mirror war or the Looking Glass War. That's what it was, the Looking Glass War, which is uh, is interesting. I'm still pretty early into that one. Uh, none nice. of them are, are super long, although this one and the last one are a bit longer than the first two were. But uh, 
I'm glad that I'm finally really enjoying, or finally really sinking my teeth into these. The next one will be Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which is also a super famous book. There was a big movie that was made. Yeah, one of the few movies I've ever turned off. I saw that movie, and I couldn't tell you what it was about. Like, in no way, shape, or form. Yeah. I don't think it was a very good movie. I hope the book is better. It's it's considered a classic of the form, so I'm sure I will enjoy it. I'm sure it will be better explained. I, I think there's so little dialogue in that movie. I don't understand how it's possible. Couldn't tell you I turned it off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Nice. I uh, On the topic of reading, I've, I, I have sat down with my book again after uh, another long hiatus. I think I found the, out the one brother of and the sister problems. met finally, right? They, they did. Yes. I think I, f- I found out what one of my issues is with it. Um, the story is great. The world building is great. I'm really excited to see where it goes. I get really invested in the perspective and the portion of the story that we're telling. So like the, for example, the last chapter that I read was Maya's chapter and the chapters are long mm-hmm. and like, they have like multiple breaks like in the chapter, like, but it's, it's still technically one chapter and it's for like about this particular person, the, the sister versus the brother in this case. And like, this particular one was like really captivating. I was like really excited. I was like getting into it. And I'm realizing more and more, I definitely like her storyline better. So that's one part of it. Yeah. And then the other thing is each chapter ends on a cliffhanger for that character. And then you have to spend an entire other long chapter on this <laughs> other person. And I'm like, no, nah! like when, the, when I turned the page and it was over and I was like, Oh come on! That was so epic. Like, where where is this about to go? I'm like, now I want to kind of rush through the next chapter so that I can get back to that part of the story. But we'll see. That's anyway. That's what it, it's a it's a really cool concept. It's a really interesting story. Um, her story is better, I think. So like, I mean, it always ends up being inevitable. You know, if there's two perspectives, one's going to be better, three or four. But like, there's always going to be one that stands out as being the least good of them. But it also feels like writing wise that like there's an inconsistency, like where one is better fleshed out and more cohesive. And the other one is like almost peppers in too many like other characters and ideas and like throws a bunch of stuff in there. Because like we didn't quite know what to do in this situation. Like that's what it feels. But anyway, all all in all, I am enjoying it. Um, and I'm glad to be back on it i mean it's the old like game of thrones joke like oh it's another sansa chapter or oh it's another brand chapter Mm. (laughs) like that's yes there's always a character or characters whose perspectives are less interesting or the storylines are less interesting than the rest um but but uh you run the risk if you're gonna write the book that way i guess yeah well the thing is like one can be better than the other and they can both be good but it sounds like maybe the other one isn't as good so yeah yeah it's not. So final thing we need to talk about is Jedi Survivor. Yes. So Jedi Survivor is out. I've probably put in three hours Okay. at this point. Um, I'm probably in the 12-ish hour nice. range. I've sat down with it twice so far. I'll probably sit down with it again tomorrow for an hour or two. I got to play for not quite an hour before we recorded tonight while I was waiting yes. on you, so that it's uh it is everything that i hoped it would be it is the incredible first game elevated to the next level yes 
And that is exact like it is exactly what a sequel needs to be. Yeah, because it takes all of the things that the first one did right and made them five percent better, basically. Right. And then and still they found didn't a way make to... you forget all your powers to get started. Yeah. I mean they took away a little bit stuff from it. But really the biggest thing that they took away was like your like health meter and the amount of stims you carry. Right, which is fine, because it kind of motivates you to explore. But they give you your stances, you still have all your traversal. They did take away some of the moves, I guess, but they did keep enough of it that was, like, seamless that you could get through. But um, Yeah, which which I'm okay with. I'm also... Um... I'm also hoping that they do a better job with it. I, I don't, I haven't read or looked into anything because I don't want to. I don't want to accidentally spoil anything for myself. But I'm kind of hoping, hoping. Nope. I'm kind of hoping that the new game plus for this is actually a true new game plus where you actually do have all of like. I would like my skill tree at least to remain. Mm. And like, even if I, I never understand, played it like in the first one, storytelling wise, like they probably can't. Like as far as they like, you might actually break the game if you give me traversal things too quick. Yeah, like I get that you, aspect you of it. You probably can't have the traversal stuff, and that would be fine. But I could have all my combat moves and yeah. all of my force and all of my health. Like I think that would be because that would be really fun. Yeah, it'd be really fun to start the game off with all of the things, and like I'm sure by the end of it, you probably don't have enough leveling up to actually max everything out. So you could probably max out the things that you've missed. Yeah, in that time, which would be cool. Um, so I'm hoping that it has that. Uh. So far, I've only got um, the three stances. I haven't. Yeah, you you, you have a few hours with that. I will say, you after you leave Kobo, um, the first planet you go to, you got to play a whole big section. And then when you go to leave that planet, you are given the blaster stance. I'll tell you that. Yes. And then, depending on how you choose to pursue. The rest of the story after that, because it gives you two options: you either go back to Kobo and explore an area, or you go to the moon orbiting Kobo. And I went to the moon, so I was like, "All right, well, I'm sure I'll be going to Kobo again at some point anyway. So let me check yeah. out this new area." I got the final stance there, but it could be one of those things where you might be able to you get it either way. Potentially, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know, but it, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Yeah, I. It's just, it's such a fun game, like. It perfectly captures the whole like give me Jedi powers that the the Jedi Knight games did so well on top and but merges it really well with Shadows of the Empire like I'm kind of like this like rough character trying to get through it all yeah. <laughs> like like I, it's just I, I I absolutely adore the game. Also, if you ever wanted to be Han Solo and Luke Skywalker at the same time, you can with the blaster stance. You can. You have the kind of inelegant form of the lightsaber that luke has but that's effective Mm -hmm. combined with the quick draw of han and honestly kind of one of the best things about it it's like such a little weird thing but that i appreciate is when you're doing it if you're being attacked and you block with one hand you can hold the block or time your blocks for like parry blocks and also, if you shoot at the same time, while you hold the lightsaber up and block, underneath it, like the blue Raja, he pulls the fucking pistol Amazing. and shoots at the same time. Like, quick draws out of the holster. It's That's so great. It's it's kind of a, a cool little detail about it that I really dig. Uh, there's really... I have one criticism of the game. It's... It doesn't do a tremendous job of reading input. 
I feel like there's a lot of times where I hit a button and it doesn't respond the way it should exactly. Really? Not in a game-breaking way, but just in a in the middle of a frenetic fight, occasionally like something happens and I'm like, but I I pressed the swing lightsaber button and he didn't swing the lightsaber. Interesting. It's like yeah, it's like five like percent of the time here and there, but like it it does happen in enough times that it's noticeable. Like it's not just a delay thing. Like it's not like because like if I'm using and obviously I'm still getting used to this part. Like if I'm using dual wield, everything is super fast, and then if I go yeah. to cross guard, everything is super slow. It's sure. not just I hit this button and I was expecting it to swing faster because I was using the faster thing. But I'm using so. It's funny that you say that because I was listening to a couple of game podcasts and one of them brought up the fact that, um, you know, they're, they're, people have come across a couple of, of bugs here and there, crashes and whatnot. But one of the more interesting ones that somebody came across was that the LB in this, in our case, because we're playing on Xbox, uh, wasn't registering at all anymore. It's like as if it was disconnected. And they're like, I've never once had a bug in a game where a button on the controller just didn't do anything anymore. Hmm. And they restarted and it worked fine. So I'm wondering if there is something to the stances and the timing that actually manipulates the input lag, like to, to, to create that feeling of it's a slower move or it's a faster stance. And, I, and maybe it's a little bit buggy. Yeah, I mean, so that would make sense because I, I think what I've noticed the most is the swing. Mm. I have noticed occasionally that I've missed blocks when I should be blocked, but that's been more of a delay than a not working at all thing. Yeah. Um, and I haven't stress tested it enough yet, but I haven't actually noticed a speed differential with blocking. Okay. Depending on which, like, meaning like, I don't think that the cross guard stance blocks slower than single mm. blade. I could be wrong, but I, I haven't noticed that. But like the swing, obviously, is much slower. Sure. Um, but uh, it's a pretty small thing because like it's still and like if I die once, like I don't care. Like it's it's like annoying, but yeah. it's not a big deal. Um, but that's really the only criticism I have of the game so far. It, it looks gorgeous. It's I've had way less like lag and like texture pop stuff, and I'm not running like the highest performance mode either. Like. Um, you're doing the fidelity mode yeah yeah same um the traversal is so slick some of the uh, issues i had it's it's so much more fluid yeah i like, think literally the only criticism i had like i mentioned to you was i and i could be misremembering this but i thought in the first game when you got to the top of a climbing section if you just pressed up you would mount the, the surface as opposed to having to press a most of the time to do it here that's a really small gripe like yeah. the ability to do and like you they they really put you through your paces with some of this where like I would rival like say like Kashyyyk when you get the double jump when you have to like swing and pull the thing and then <clears throat> wall run to wall run to wall run to wall run and sometimes like if you didn't get exactly right you wouldn't make it whereas this you could actually like double jump off of the wall and back onto the same wall you were running on yeah the thing where you like can jump up tubes by going like the like the 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 back and forth jump the, that's um, the the Mario sixty four wall kick. Yes, um, yeah. you can do it without a tube when it's just a single wall. You just jump back and then back to the wall you're on. Yeah, um, the coolest one that doesn't always work, but has worked at least once or twice, is when they have one of those sections. But down, you jump and he puts his lightsaber out 
and drags <sighs> down the wall. Uh, I haven't done that. There's there's one specific transition into a cutscene on the first planet after Kobo where I didn't know what to do. And I was like, well, that's clearly one of those surfaces, so let me see what happens. And then he did it, and then it goes into a cutscene, and I was like, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> nice. And then that's I, awesome. And then I died. No. Uh, yeah. Not because I, I fell, because something killed me. Sure. The game is is really, it's just really great. I I, I couldn't be happier with it. Um, and so many oh, boss I, fights, and like fun I just ones. Want to play Everyone's different. Yeah, I, I like a good boss fight in that game. I will say, I, I did not appreciate being gaslit by a Wampa. Like, I, I, I'm like, I killed two of these already. Similar, to, you said you you killed multiple beforehand, right? Yeah. Like, I already fought two of them without issue. I was like, I don't, I don't understand. And then I was like, oh, this must be the one that everybody was talking about beforehand. That's like, for whatever reason, like frustratingly impossible. And I'm like, eventually, I got myself into a pocket, but like, I. When I finally killed it, I had I barely had a notch of health left. That's the one thing that I actually kind of appreciate about some of the boss fights is you have to use a few stims to kill them, even when you're on. Like because like yeah. there's enough variety and the AI is aggressive enough, but it's like not mostly in a cheap way. And you know, if you die, you learn their their tricks, so eventually you're better the second time or whatever. But um, like for the most part, I haven't ever really felt like oh, that was like a cheap thing. There's really been a couple of specific instances where like they've linked together two unblockable attacks in a way that I didn't think they were able to do. Or, But then there's also been a couple of times where like I actually had this issue where I was fighting this one creature. I don't know what it's called, but I've fought a few of them now where it uses an unblockable attack that I find easy to dodge. And I've gone to attack because it looks like they should be kind of staggered by their own thing, but they actually have a counter move that comes right out of it. And I, it happened to be three different times. And on the third one, I was like, how many times are you going to fall for it now? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was yeah. like stop doing it. You you're, you see this thing that looks like a golden opportunity. No, it's literally designed that it's always going to counter yep. there. Stop doing that it. That <laughs> stupid creature on Dathomir in the first game used to do that. Yes. That giant where it would like, oh, it's it's done. And then it would be like, wah! And it would flail both oh, arms. Oh, you killed it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you bastard. Um, that, yeah, that's, that's so irritating. What I haven't quite figured out with the unblockable attacks is like, are you able to dodge them? Like, are all of them dodgeable? They are, but some of them have uh, area of effect that you can't just dodge. You also have to get a certain distance apart. Okay. So the funny thing is, I actually really struggled with not the roll, but the evade in the first game. I didn't. I thought it was clunky. In this, I'm really good at it. Yeah, same. All of a sudden, I'm like, I am they really cleaned up perfectly. The, they, they cleaned up the mechanic, which is great because if you upgrade certain trees, like you'll regain force or whatever. And like, that's like a super important trait to be able to execute with great efficiency. So like there's certain creatures that have unblockables that have area of effect. Some of them are very small. As long as you're not within like two feet of it, you'll dodge it or whatever. But some of them have ones that go farther apart. So you really have to, like you can't evade, you have to roll, but you can dodge it. But some of them like, as long as you time the evade perfectly, it doesn't matter how close you are, you will dodge it. You just gotta get the okay. timing right. But like with that Wampa, or yeah. whatever it's called. The Mogu. 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 Um, it, it has two unstuck, like what well, has three. One is where it pounds the ground and, and the force thing jump comes over out. It. That, like, that like one's fine. Like the ninth fine. sister, yeah. Yeah, you can either jump or you, you can actually, that one actually is pretty easy if you double back roll that you can get away from it. Okay. Um, For me, I usually like dodge and then double jump. 
But the two other red attacks that it has. One of them is a bear hug. And one of them is the grab where he yeah. slams you into the ground, right? And like that one in particular, I found that I, I I just couldn't quite figure out what it was that you have to do to avoid it. Every one of those things has a different window. Some of them, any sort of attempt to dodge or roll, you'll just automatically dodge it. Some yeah. of them, you have to time the window perfectly. Or like for some of them, like I think the one when the Bedlam Raider with the jetpack does the spear move if you just hit the evade even timing it right doesn't always work because you're still within the since it's coming linearly right at you and the evade always goes straight back they'll still spear you mm. but if you do the sidestep move there's a great window for any sidestep will dodge it gotcha so if you to evade is is B once and a direction. It's hold B. Hold B. I believe. So if you press B in a direction, you either step back or step right or step left. If you hit B twice, you roll. But if you hold B, you they do you do like the bullet time where you lean back in slow motion. Oh. That's the precision of A. Okay, I I thought I had to still tap a direction to do. I that. don't think so. I think just holding B, you do the precision of it, and that's the one that if you have it upgraded, like you get forced back for timing it right. All right, cool. I'll play with that. Anyway, all I want to do is get back to that game. It's so much fun. It is. Um, I think that's it for consumption. It's probably for the best. It's probably for the best. Well, with that, let us get into our flick of the week. John Wick Chapter 4, released in 2023, rated R, with a whopping 2-hour and 49-minute runtime. Whopping. Your IMDb synopsis. John Wick uncovers a path to defeating the high table. But before he can earn his freedom, Wick must face off against a new enemy with powerful alliances across the globe and forces that turn old friends into enemies. Um, Sorry, old friends into foes. Yeah, I mean, probably too vague, but yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your? Well, give me your. Give me your. Your toot length. A series that started with a slick but simple look at a complicated world continued to raise the stakes all the way through to the end? Question mark. In a really polished way, a testament to action filmmaking at its best. Seven point five out of ten. Nice. Yeah, I agree with your sentiment. I feel like the way that I worded it is going to make it sound more negative than I mean. But while I'm always excited for more John Wick, the formula has run its course. 7 out of 10. Yeah, it's funny. I think my the verbiage of mine probably indicated maybe a higher grade than what I gave. <laughs> and mine the, indicated a lower yes. score. <laughs> yeah, for, for sure. I will say... I've really enjoyed these movies through and through. I think they've done an incredible job. We've talked about it at length in the previous John Wick episodes, but the world building is second to none. Yes. That being said, it has gotten what what was becoming a little bit repetitive, and this is the idea of like, okay, introduce a new mechanic that is 
that is there and has precedent for their world, but we're just being introduced to it now. Make that a main portion of the storytelling. Some derived thing to make us shoot more people. Like that's like it's just like this, and then we do that again, and it's like okay, here's a marker. Here's uh, the, here's of this. Here's of that. Here's uh, getting condemned, or here like, like there's just like add a thing that like you know it's just a, it's actually a really clever writing tactic in that they could just make some random shit up because the the talent that they have for writing these is figuring out a way of weaving that into this world that they've created on screen where it may, it, it does make sense any but like the caveat being anything that they say could probably make sense what i appreciate is they've limited the variables in such a way that when they choose to introduce a new thing that's really ultimately some sort of MacGuffin. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't break what came before. It doesn't. Like the marker. That's where the talent comes yes, in. Yes. Because it's not that complicated. I mean, certainly the plot no. isn't that complicated. The world building is in some ways, but even there, they found very specific avenues that they want to pursue. So in the first one, you have, okay. There is an entire world of assassins living beneath the surface of regular civilization. One would think that there does not need to be this amount of assassins in the world, but that's you know, <laughs> that's besides the point. And the fact that they all know each other is pretty incredible. But okay, okay. Uh, say something. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we're going to continue right on through. Uh, your light turned yellow in the recording, and your vocal dropped. But it's back. Okay. Um, hopefully we didn't miss anything important. Anyway, go on. So anyway, you have the first one where it's like, okay, World of Assassins. We have this hotel. Don't kill anyone inside the hotel. That was pretty simple. Pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. It's easy. Okay. And we have a guy who's out. He's back in. Blah, blah, blah. Someone killed his dog. He's going to kill everyone. Can't kill him inside the hotel, so he's gonna go kill everyone outside the hotel. Kills everyone. Done. Great. Simple, simple story. Second one. Okay. Well, if the only way out of this business is if you get a promise from the people who run the whole world. Okay. So we have the table runs the whole world, and we have markers, which are blood debts that one owes to someone. You have to close the marker to no longer be under his threat. The marker is open. It can be called at any time. That doesn't in any way, shape, or form break what came before it. Right. Because certainly if there is a hotel that everyone agrees that there's rules that one can't hurt each other with, well, certainly that's governed by someone outside of the hotel. Mm-hmm. Who is that people? It's, your, it's the table. So after we've done that one, well, we kill someone inside of the hotel. Well, what are the consequences of that? In the third one, we find out there are different factions. All of them at least pay lip service to the same said table. You're no longer safe on consecrated ground once you've unconsecrated the ground by breaking the one rule. Everyone and anyone can I'm fight. I'm sorry, I broke your one rule. Giant, giant bat. <laughs> and if the rules are broken by the proprietor, then we deconsecrate the grounds and it's open season. Yeah. And then if everyone really truly breaks the rules enough. What have you done? Yes. Jonathan? <laughs> what have you done? The best line delivery in the whole series. Stand by that. Um, We can condemn the building. We can join or leave a faction. 
we can have a marquee, which usually isn't, it's usually a title of nobility, not of, of job description, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Adjudicator was good because that was a, a name for a, a job description. Um, but anyway, each time they upped the stakes, it didn't trample over what came before it. It built upon it. And I really appreciated that they didn't just raise the stakes. They didn't just make everything wider. There was a greater depth of detail each time, but not enough yeah. that was boring and totally expository. Like they had periods yeah. of exposition, but they really found a way to balance it. They they never went too far with the exposition. Yeah, that's 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 fair. And like that is the I don't know the, that that piece of it is, is is probably what's most compelling in a in a action movie that has some of the best action sequences of any movie absolutely um it what i said absolutely uh it's crazy to me that the story like the world building is actually the thing that takes the cake like it should be the action the action is the forefront of these movies that's what the whole i mean it is a it this is a, a a 2010 plus action movie this is like this is the genre they've created it builds upon some of the action tropes that we've had from back in the day and it makes it new again in a really wonderful way. However, it's this crazy ass world building. Like it's like people want more of a, more of a story to go with that. And they've managed to work that in perfectly. And it's really, it's really, it's impressive. It's like that they've been able to do it for this long. But, and like I said, while I appreciate that, each thing doesn't negate some previous thing. It all it all does build on top of the previous, and it makes it feel like it has been there the whole time, which is a really good. The actual formula of doing that four times now is what I'm like. Okay, I'm. I get it. Like, there's not much more you can really do to wow me at this point. Like, it wasn't. It's just like it's. It's not going to really. I don't. I, I can't see it getting above a seven following that same formula again and again going forward. Um, I'm kind of glad that we've landed on that. His story is likely done. Probably. Um, Probably. What I I also appreciate is as much as we talked about the depth of detail of and the raising of the stakes of the world building, we got that in the action part as well. Like those are the two things that carry it, right. So the first one we have, we stabbed and shot and punched and kicked a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And then in the second one, <laughs> we stabbed and shot and kicked and punched and in much more graphic ways. And also we added pencils. Sure. And then in the third one. So one of them had a lot of hatchets, I feel like. The third one had a lot of hatchets. Okay. Um, the third one, we stabbed and kicked and punched and shot and hatcheted and penciled and dogged and... Uh, <laughs> Also, there the was guys. Twelve days of Christmas. Yeah, there was guys with unbreakable body armor, except if you shot them in the eye or in under the helmet. And then in right. the fourth one, we stabbed and punched and kicked and shot and hatcheted and dogged and white and white phosphorus shotgunned and ran over with cars <laughs> and, and car doored. We car doored a lot and staircases. So many staircases. So many stairs. So many stairs. Um, and then we took it back to the beginning and used flint lock pistols. Love it. <laughs> because fuck Love you. Fact <laughs> basics. Uh, <laughs> the. Oh my God, this is ridiculous. Um, I have a stat here. Uh, so I, I feel like it was, I, I don't have the infographic for this movie. I think it was the previous one. Oh, we forgot horses. 
There was a lot of horse usage in the previous one mm. um, where he slapped the horse on the ass and it kicked somebody in the face. Yes. Great, great move. Great action addition. I really appreciate that. Um, there was a beautifully done infographic for the third movie that had an icon that represented something. So it would be like a gun and then a number next to it. And then the icon was a various size based on how big the number was. And it was kill. It was basically kills with thing. So like, it was like guns were like pretty big. And then like knives were pretty big. And then like, there'd be a little hatchet. And then, th- then it would got, it would get into the obscure. There'd be a pencil and then there'd be a horse head. <laughs> the, horse, the horse head was larger than the pencil, obviously, because he used the horse multiple times. But it was just, it was just a very silly thing, and I just, I love that. But for for this one, I have stats that I think you'd like. Just one, one quick blurb. I think this came from the morning crew. I don't remember. I took it as a screenshot, so I, I apologize. I lost track of where it actually came from. But I'm just, I'll just read it verbatim. John Wick is a man of focus, commitment, and sheer will, but very few words. The puppy-loving hitman, played by Keanu Reeves, says just 380 words in John Wick Chapter 4, despite the film's nearly three-hour runtime, according to the Wall Street Journal. Reeves himself hacked the dialogue down, the film director said, and 27% of the 103 lines spoken by Wick in the final cut are a single word. (laughs) I had heard that in the production of the movie, that, yeah, that he cut so much of the... uh of the the script and it's like man that's incredible to get paid for so few words but i oh, guess I, it's his prerogative when you consider how much of these stunts and this fighting that he's doing himself at this age so many of his lines are just yeah <laughs> <laughs> which is great but it says if reports that the actor was paid 15 million dollars to reprise the role are accurate that's thirty nine thousand four hundred and seventy three dollars a word oh wow <laughs> Um, which I mean, good for him. I also have statistics for you. What do you got? This is from Screen Rant. A helpful look at the breakdown of the first three movies via Geek Tyrant reveals that John Wick kill count in each movie. Oh boy, John Wick features seventy-seven on-screen deaths at John's hand, a number that rose to one hundred twenty-eight in John Wick Chapter Two, as John made some powerful enemies. John Wick Chapter Three Parabellum found John on the run with only time for ninety-four kills along the way. While this information shouldn't be all that surprising given the genre and plot of the movie, it's still a bit shocking to see the protagonist single-handedly killed 128 people in one movie, making for 299 total in the first three films. John Wick kill count jumped even higher in John Wick Chapter 4. In the fourth movie, John Wick killed an estimated 140 enemies in the movie, all, <laughs> all by himself. He went through several big events in this movie. The kills just kept building at an almost unnatural level. There were some very notable John Wick kills, such as when he went back to the desert and killed the Elder at the start, wrapping up that storyline for Parabellum. He then killed several people with assistance in the fight at the Osaka Continental Hotel in Tokyo before heading to the Killers nightclub for more carnage. Oh my god. This led to the infamous scene on the Arc de Triomphe, where Wick started in his Barracuda before getting out and killing anyone who came at him. He fought to make it to his final battle. There's also the crane shot that saw John fight through the abandoned house and kill Assassins who closed in on him. Finally, the biggest battle was the never-ending stairs to the soccer core in Paris. <laughs> the that, scene had limitless that's assassins you had to fight. <laughs> limitless. Oh, man. I will say, each movie, I feel like... I, it, it's hard for me to remember the first three and which thing it was, but I, I do recall, like, each, within each movie, there is a moment, there is a particular action sequence where you're like, this 
this is this movie's scene. Like, this is the thing that they crafted really well for this particular film, um, which I really liked. And in in uh, chapter four, it was that overhead shot, the crane uh, one that they're talking about, where it's basically a roofless set that the camera is swooping over and you're able to see him go in and out of rooms through doorways, blast through walls. It's Hotline Miami, but in John Wick, and it is one of the most entertaining sequences in a movie that I've seen in a very long time. The way that you know it's such a fantastic scene is he sees this truly unique weapon. It's the shotgun with the white phosphorus shells. Every time he shoots someone with it, I kind of tensed each time because I'm yeah. like, ooh, uh, ooh. Yeah. I was like, man, every one of these, I I feel like I'm the one getting shot by this fucking thing every time he pulls the trigger. <laughs> and, uh, and like, and not only are you tensing as you see it happen, but half the times you see the actual result of it, I'm laughing. I was like guffawing at, oh, God, <laughs> look at it's what he did to so that much. one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I... I love it. I love the absurdity. Like that, that, yeah, that was absolutely ridiculous. And they're like, from the moment, like you get there, he was almost giddy from the first person he kills with it. He's like, you can tell he was like, like, look look at this fun toy. (laughs) This one works really well. Uh, That was really great. I I will say there, we talked about like how they build and build on the, on the world in each one. They're pretty consistent with the mechanics as well. Like, Everybody has these suits, right? These these Kevlar like suits. Threaded suits, yeah. Yeah, which I really appreciate that in every single fight sequence, every one, there isn't one that's missed, he pulls the suit over his face yeah, it's, while it's, he's it's, running. It's really funny, actually, how he does it, where he, he pulls it up in this dramatic way that's like, like, that can't work, and yet it also makes sense that it works. It might, like, but the way that he he does it, it, what's crazy is it should be outlandish and ridiculous. However, I guess maybe with a lot of, I know he has a lot of like, um, like training. What 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 do they, what do they call that? Like, they run through the course and they shoot. Uh, but he had, like Connor Reeves has, does a lot of that stuff. Oh uh, right? yeah, yeah. I'm kind of blanking the word too, but yeah, something about it about the way that he holds the jacket. It's not just covering his face with it, but the way that he does it. It feels so realistic and tactical like it feels very much like the way that he rapidly reloads or like while keeping everything trained on the the coming threat like he he's very good at managing like you know he's doing some pretty intense combat work with those weapons but on top of that he layers in this ridiculous thing that is not real that makes it but it looks real like it looks like this is how you would like it makes if if i did have a suit that could protect me from bullets. That's how I'd use it. Uh, this is how I would use it, and it, and it, and it looks great. Uh, that being said, many times throughout this movie, I was like, "But like, every bone in your body's broken, right?" Because it doesn't prevent the force from actually connecting with you. Um, if he, if if he was wearing it normal and it hits. It would bruise him, but yeah. if he was dangling it in front of his face, the a lot of that kinetic energy would be lost, and it would kind of hmm. not that it would ricochet off, but it would be kind of redirected. Like the the bullet likely wouldn't hit him directly. Hmm. 
Okay. I I guess. There's, <laughs> there's still, a certain tensile so there's a certain tensile strength that one would expect <laughs> a Kevlar threaded suit to have that if he's dangling it would waste some of the kinetic energy of the bullet. I used to have a Kevlar snare drum skin. Seems excessive. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> it sounded awesome. Um, anyway, uh, but you so you get this ridiculous tactical thing that he that he and other characters are doing it too, which is awesome. Yeah, like just to, to remind you, like no, like this is not just his suit. Like this world of assassins have this suit, which makes it really funny when he comes up against one particular enemy and he doesn't have the thing that he needs to be able to get like whether it is like under their neckline or the thing that he needs access to, to take them down and he doesn't have it. And the battle just goes on forever. <laughs> it's so funny. It's, it's comical, yes. but like, it's also exciting action movie stuff. Some of these fights have kind of a wink and nod family guy, too long yeah. joke cadence to them. Oh my God. The, the, the nunchucks like, they're not the tool for this job. I forgot about so, nunchucks, but that was a fantastic scene. But he fight. He's fighting these same two people for what feels like thirty minutes. Well, because he's just whipping their entire ass yeah. with it. <laughs> so, I, and I love so how in fun. between in each engagement, he would dangle the nunchucks like a necklace. Yes, he would just wear them and then go oh back to literally whipping their ass with this. Oh my god! I I. Yeah, because the whole thing is for him to kill as efficiently as possible. And you I'm sure you can whip a whole lot of ass with nunchucks, but it's not great for killing, actually. No. No, not the best. Also, I appreciated the introduction of a lot of bows and arrows for one sequence of this movie. Yeah. Considering how high-tech some of this killing is, to go super low-tech with the bows and arrows, I appreciated that. Respect. And in a way that... Like, the whole army of them did not feel in any way, shape, or form like they were overmatched. They're like, no, it's fine. We have bows and arrows. It'll be fine. That was ridiculous. Oh, man. Um, but the bows and arrows against the Kevlar suits. Uh, Donnie Yen. Yes. Okay. Kane. The character Kane. So, we talked about the ridiculousness of john and how he leverages the kevlar suit i think maybe one of the most outrageous parts of this movie was using motion sensor doorbells in a fight i loved it i was great but it was outrageous (laughs) (laughs) also he has this sort of did you ever watch drunken master no but i'm aware of it he has his movement has a very like drunken style fighting to it. That was Drunken Master was one of the key points of emphasis for the Jar Jar Binks, the Darth Jar Jar theory, right? I have no, I don't know. Yeah, or you're not familiar with the Darth Jar Jar theory? I'm vaguely familiar with it, but I don't know so the, the details, the, the depths. The theory was that jar jar was so prominent in the first one because ultimately we were going to find out that he was essentially what the plagius character that they talked about in episode three was okay that he was the true one orchestrating everything behind the scenes because he's so uncoordinated and everything goes so perfectly that he can't possibly be yeah yeah that he he put up such a foolish character 
to dissuade anyone from looking too closely at him, but that he ultimately, if you squint, the tactics were very similar to Drunken Master, like that mm-hmm. through persistence and trust in the, I mean, sorry, uh, through, uh, <laughs> through the force and, um, uh, and, uh, in the perfect timing of his ridiculous histrionics that no one could possibly think it was anything other than luck, but mm. the amount of luck that he displays seems a bit too calculated. It seems too confusing. Sure. Yeah. The drunken master was one of the things cited in that. That's, uh, that's pretty cool. I like that. But, uh, back, to, back to the style though the fluidity of his movement that also feels chaotic works really well because he's blind mm-hmm. and like how he is moving based on sound and vibration. But again, uh, tremendous blind assassin. I, I just, he absolutely kills it. Yeah. Well, he killed a lot of people. Mm, mm, indeed. Bet- between this movie and Rogue One though, I mean, he's really cornered the market on playing blind assassins who fight with a stick. It's true. That's true. That he's and he's yeah. I mean, if you're gonna hire a guy for that job, he's there. He is, yeah. Donnie all the way. I I appreciate his. I mean, I thought he he showed some nice range in Rogue One and this as well. He's he's a good actor on top of oh yeah, a fantastic martial artist. I mean, I had no impression of him before seeing Rogue One, other than having seen clips of him doing martial arts. But there's some range. There's some uh, there's some empathy there in, in in that performance. Uh, more so, I would say, in Rogue One than this one. But like, you you buy him being a tortured soul here, where yeah, he's gonna kill the shit out of a whole bunch of people. But is like, it first comes off as arrogant, and then you see the exhaustion. The yeah, like he's John's parallel, right? He wants to be out. He envied John for getting out, and he almost mocks John for coming back in. Like, look at me. Why would you want to be like me? I want to be out more than anything. You had your chance to be out and you came back. Like I want nothing more than to be out and I can't get out. Yeah. I mean, he's blind. Let him, let him, let him rest. Let him be out. His. He's so annoyed when he has to take the job and I love it. He's so annoyed at every step. He's so annoyed. Every step. He has to take the job. He's so annoyed he has to do the job when he's eating the noodles and he's like, he's so annoyed. Yeah, he's so annoyed. He do has your to job. Stop he can't just finish his soup. Uh, <laughs> he's so annoyed that he has to kill his friend, his uh, former friend. He's so annoyed that he knows his former friend who he's just killed's daughter is going to try and come kill him. Yeah. He's so annoyed that he has to continue to f- hunt his son or his his friend. He's so annoyed that this guy has maneuvered him into a position where he either has to kill his friend or him and his daughter die. Yeah. Oh, man. There's so much. There's like, it's almost annoying how much depth there is to characters in this ridiculous movie. Yeah, there's no reason. It's a, it should be. A, these should be B movies. <laughs> I mean, you could probably you could probably conceivably argue the first one is a B movie. The second, third or fourth one, not B movies. They're A movies. No. They should yeah. be B movies. They're not. They're better. They're not. <laughs> they shouldn't be this good. Oh, the man. director was a former st- stunt coordinator. He doesn't have a, a background in discipline in directing. He's perfect for directing these movies. I don't know if he yeah. can direct the English patient, but he can direct the shit out of these movies. Yeah, that's true. Man, it's so good. Uh, the Bowery King. Yeah. In a movie that is so over the top. 
He's the most over the top. How do you stand out as being the one that is over the top? Everyone is over the top, <laughs> and he's so far above the people over the top that you can't even see the top. That's right. There is, uh, I used to listen to this podcast um, called Hollywood Babylon, and it was, it was Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman, and they would do a section called, uh, I think it was called Bad Acting or something along the lines, but it was acting that is so, so, so bad that it transcends bad and turns around and becomes good again. And that is that is this performance. <laughs> yeah, because Lawrence Fishburne is a really good actor. Yeah. And you could argue that he's so cheesy in this, but it works. Mm-hmm. Like, he's intentionally doing way too much. And he's doing, yeah. he's gone so far around of doing too much that he's doing just enough now. It's it's it's, it's, so, it's so ridiculous. I he has a boat. He's everywhere at once. He he delivers his lines at an octave that is not registered by any other person in the movie. It's just too it, this is such a super like a stupid inside reference, but the way that he's just shouting when everyone else is talking very businesslike and kind of almost half under their breath like this. He's delivering like this. It reminded me of in Mass Effect 2, the Jennifer Hale voices the female version of Commander Shepard. And her lines during most cutscenes, she has a very... Not monotone, but she has this very calculated, controlled voice. And she can bring it up a little bit, and she can bring it down a little bit, but she's very... And then, at the end of missions, you get a little mission report text screen that dictated... It, it was an in-game thing that the character who was supposed to be your lieutenant in this was writing back to the boss. And, like, you would get a little breakdown of what happened and all that. And, like, her perception of where everything stands at the end of it. And you would usually get some sort of reward at the end of that mission. And all of a sudden you would hear in the, like the commander's voice, whether it be the male or the female character, you'd hear, Oh, what's this? Or that's interesting. Or this could be useful. But for some reason, the sound mixing was so bad that whenever her line would be played at the end over the top of that, she was like screaming it at a 13 out of 10. (laughs) And I was like, where the fuck did that come from? I don't have eardrums anymore. (laughs) And that's what his line delivery is in this movie and scenes where everyone else is talking very seriously. Like John Wick is saying one word. Yeah. Yeah. And Winston is doing his ridiculous Ian McShane delivery. And then you have Lawrence Fishburne screaming at them. <laughs> yeah. Even, well, I don't even, you know, to be John Wick's, yeah. Uh, the barracking is like, you ready, John? <laughs> it's like, ah, yeah. oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Maybe he just knows how many times John has shot and been shot at, and he knows that he's got permanent he's tinnitus. To get <laughs> he's I got permanent it. tinnitus, and he's like, That's I'm thinking good. of you, buddy. You need me to yell for you to hear me. Really, really taking, taking the character in, really understanding the world people would not be able to hear me because they've shot guns so many times that I need to yell. <laughs> and now I, I think that Lawrence Fishburne just assumed that he's on stage 
because I, I assume that he has done stage acting based on the way that he performs. I'm just thinking that maybe in his mind, he's not mic'd. <laughs> 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 Meanwhile, the sound mix and guys like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> 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 mm. So good. Lance Reddick. Rest Let's focus in. For we, a we never have to talk Rest about in peace. that. We didn't. Um, we, I think we missed that that week, and we never really came. We might have like briefly touched on it, but well, I mean, tremendous loss. Like he, like another, like great actor. Phil, the role that he played this, like this is like one of those roles where it's like a supporting actor role. Like sometimes they really like it's actually really stand out. His his support role, like he's not on screen much in these movies, but when he is, he's he's it. Like he's. I was a little heartbroken because knowing that he was dead. Man, I, I know you never watched The Wire. I love The Wire. He's fantastic in that. And he's one of the core ensemble from start to finish. Like, there's some seasons that he's in it more or less. Okay. But he has a substantial amount of screen time in that show. And I loved him in corporate. He was so ridiculous so malevolent ceo like oh my god just hilarious terrible person and so i i appreciated that you know from the first movie to the third movie he kind of got a little more screen time a little more screen time a little more screen time and i thought we were gonna get some time to savor his final performance to have him killed so soon in the movie oh that hurt me yeah and what a weird and eerie parallel yeah right that yeah that one that one it's definitely it's i mean like the news took me by surprise and then the moment in the movie took me by surprise just as much i was like what the fuck? i mean there was some foreshadowing there but you still didn't really think anyone was gonna die there yeah yeah exactly i that whole i also um it did end up leading to one of the better conversations of um, Ian McShane's character, like, I don't know what to put, or Winston, I don't know what to put him in this tombstone. I, I spent so much time thinking about that, and like, what do you want, what would you want to put on yours? I love that eventually John is like, loving husband. Like, I just thought that was so, what, like, how fitting to like, really put a bow on this entire adventure that we've got on, which the first three movies are a couple days? The first three movies like literally takes place under a week, yeah. Okay. And there's like a clear time jump. It's a little he has a little healing a little healing time. From the end of the third one to this one, yeah. There's yeah. clearly probably a few months, I would say. Yeah. Anyway. Which is good because he needed that energy to do all of this. He got hit by um, so many cars. Yeah, he really did. He fell down so many stairs. Oh my god, like early in the movie. Isn't he like, he, I forget, he like jumps out a window and lands on a car, right? Did he? I actually... Fairly early in this movie, he does something ridiculous where I'm like, well, now he's going to be hurt the rest of the movie. But they're like, well, we can't have him be hurt the rest of the movie. So we're just going to brush that off. <laughs> Which I was like, carry on. No further questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, Clancy Brown is a fucking creep show. Sorry, I'm just going through the cast list. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can no longer look at this character. Uh, he's so strange. Uh, I, 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 his character is so creepy in Dexter 
that. Oh, he, I still never finished that season. I just like that's what I see when I see him here. Um, also, he's too close to the table. The Harbinger. This is the name of this. Oh, movie. that's right. I forgot. That. I remember looking that up and characters have interesting names. I love. Yeah, I love these ridiculous names that he has. I don't. He's he's great at projecting fuck you authority though. Yeah. Um, Definitely. And this is a more refined version of that, but consider him being the chief of the guards in Shawshank. Just pure fuck you authority. Um, there's. I know I've seen him in a couple other things where he's just had this like air of. Like, you should fear this guy. And it's for no other reason than he, he hates your guts because you exist. Like, there's not any mm-hmm. rhyme or reason to it other than that you exist. He has an element of that here, but he's he's there's there's just a more refined aspect to it, I think. Yeah. It's not just the suit. It's the fact that he comes with he's got all the erudition. He, I mean, he's just flat out. He's wearing the, the, the scarf and he's chanting in Latin in the end. And it's like, OK, there's a little something there. This is an interesting character. I, I almost wish I could see a little bit more of this character just for that. Um, yeah. I do have I, I feel like t- typically he plays more villainous type of roles even mr krabs in uh, spongebob he's kind of uh it's a love-hate relationship with that character um but i appreciate there's one role that i saw him in where he's not just a raging prick and it's a very small random thing in in, in mass effect the andromeda he plays the player character's father who spoiler alert dies in the first 30 minutes of the game of like a hundred plus hour game uh, but you get a bunch of flashbacks um, with him, and I appreciated seeing a different side of a character that he could play because he always plays someone that you want to hate, and it was a much more complicated character. And ultimately, he's a loving father, even if he doesn't know how mm. to express that. You know, um, yeah. I don't know. I, there was a, an aspect of that performance in that that I appreciate. He's done a ton of voice work, but uh, even this, like, he plays kind of a prick the whole time. Again, like a more refined version of it, but to see the end. I appreciated that at the end of all of that, like he kind of breaks the rules and it's, a, it's, it's an element of, okay, can we, like, he's the, he's almost the voice of reason. Does anyone else care how ridiculous this all is? Like there have been literally hundreds of people who have died at the expense of trying to prove a point about John, I guess. <laughs> and it's like every one of these people who have gone after him, with this like verdant passion is like has been hoisted by their own petard. Can we just call it at this point? Can we just call it like he's paid yeah. his debt? He could live, he could die, he's probably gonna die, but maybe he'll survive. It's done. John, it's yeah. done. Good luck to you. Yeah. All of you guys, just I don't want to see or hear about this anymore. The table <laughs> has wasted so much money and manpower on all of this. Enough. Just enough. <laughs> It's so true. <laughs> I love it. Uh, going down the list, Ian McShane's Winston, fan favorite. Mm-hmm. We love him. You love him. Uh, tremendous performance. One of the better line deliverers in Hollywood. Yeah, I, that, that's right. probably fair. Like I said, I think the, I think we're in agreement, right? That the best line delivery in this is Jonathan. What have what have you done? done? <laughs> uh. He also has a similar condition um, that Willem Dafoe has, where he appears to be wearing a face. 
Uh, <laughs> just, Ian McShane's face looks like Ian McShane is wearing Ian McShane's yeah. face. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. He it's the it's the theory of is it better to be thirty and then look like you're sixty, so that when you're sixty you still look like you're sixty, or to have been thirty and be looking young and youthful and then to age terribly so that when you're sixty you look like you're eighty. You know what I mean? Like what what's the better path? Hard to say. Um I will say, I feel like the highest credit you can give an actor is that I truly believe in the relationship that they are pretending to have on screen. And I truly believe that Winston is a father figure to John. Yeah. And like, it's just, it's their relationship is so good. And their understanding is so pure. It would hurt you. To find out in real life that, like, if Ian McShane hated Keanu Reeves. Oh my god, it would, it would, it would yeah. Because it would ruin me. the characters on screen, <laughs> he so obviously <laughs> loves this man. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like anytime I feel this way about uh, an actor, I'm like, oh, this person's so good in this thing. And then they're like, this person touched people. I'm like, fuck. Like, <laughs> just, like stop doing that. <laughs> stop doing that. Why are you not? <laughs> I'm not saying this happened here. I'm just saying that I'm worried now that I said out loud that I love Ian McShane. Yeah. That like this is, while this, we're talking, a story's coming. This out. is a follow up to our conversation the other day. Yeah. Ugh, not about Ian McShane, about other no. people. No, other people indeed. Um, I'm gonna move. I'm gonna skip Marco Zaror Chidi. Who is that? Is that the nope. the Marquis like top guy? Top. Men. Yes, that's him. Okay. Um, he's fine. Largely forgettable. Um, no fault to him. No. Just like the character. Disagree. Not, like... not forgettable. Yeah? He was the Terminator. He was the Terminator. They killed him he like just 10 had times. one of those suits. They killed him 10 times and he kept they coming did. back. I wouldn't say he's the Terminator as much as he is the bad guy in Die Hard. The, the blonde guy with the that gets hung. No, he's the Terminator. They keep killing him and he keeps coming back. <laughs> They ultimately finished him off, though, right? I don't remember what. Did they? His, I don't know. They did. Okay. What, what was it? Did they? Didn't they just like leave him on the stairs? Did he? I think he gave up. Did he finally give up? He tapped. I feel he like he gave up. I, I feel like I don't remember them finally killing him. Well, he says, you can't kill me. And then he's like, yeah, but I can whatever. And he like trips him and cuts him and something. Oh, the dog. The what's it? The tracker sets the dog on him. I think the dog finally finished him and the dog finally finished uh, him off because okay, he shot the okay. dog, and, and right. like John or tried to. No, he he threw, the, he, he threw the dog in front of the car. He was going to shoot it. John. That's what gets the tracker to stop hunting John. Is that John? Yeah. Wastes his shot to try and kill him and save the dog, and so the dog bites his junk and the tracker kills him. That, that's how it ended. Yeah. Good call. That's exactly that's right. Took me a second. Bill, Billy Scars. Yeah, I mean he's ridiculous. He, he's a really good actor. He is. They're, they they all are. He is really good. I mean, he plays an absolute fucking dweeb in this movie, but like intentionally so. Yeah, I mean, well, like, I feel like dweeb with power. To be honest, like 
he kind of always plays a like even like Pennywise is a dweeb, right? Like he's like know, a this is a dweeb. murderous, yeah. psychotic, supernatural dweeb. clown, but like he's a dweeb. Yeah. Hot take, probably never spoken before. Pennywise is a dweeb, right? <laughs> <laughs> Am I, I mean, am I wrong? No, you're not. <laughs> you're not wrong. Um, but yeah, like, I love, honestly, maybe, I think the best parts of his performance are uh, when he's on the phone with a tracker. Like, those, that back and forth is so good. Yes, fantastic, like, antagonistic relationship where you can never mm-hmm. tell where they stand exactly, where each of them thinks they have the upper hand and then the other one ends up with it somehow. Yeah. Um, uh, it's so good. And ending with him destroying the shit out of the phone and then being like, call back and tell him we'll give it to him. <laughs> yep. Yep. So good. But even uh, like when they first meet up, when him and the tracker first had the face to face, and you think that conversation is going to go a certain way, and then the tracker overplays his hand. Yep. And then ends up losing, Man. almost losing his hand. His hand. Um, yeah, that was, that's so good. I was like, going back even like. He, Bill Skarsgård was even good in. You remember Atomic Blonde? I remember that I saw Atomic Blonde. Did we do that for the show, or was that right before the show started? I'm clear. No way to know. This is the first time where I'm actually not 100% sure if we did that episode <laughs> or not. We've <laughs> talked about it a couple times, like, oh, we're going to get to a point where we don't remember if we did Like, that's probably, yeah. like, episode six. I feel like we did it. Yeah. He was in that. He was the the contact in East Berlin that she has that when they're doing the whole spy game shit that she, like, you don't know who to trust. Yeah. And the person you think you could trust ends up being the one you can't. And he was the one you didn't think you could trust. And he's actually trying to do good. And like, is part of the whole underground network and all that. Like he was even good in that, even though it wasn't like a huge role. Hmm. That was the first time I think I saw him in anything. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what my introduction to him. I mean, it may have been that. I'm pretty sure it's um, that. I know he was on that one sh- was it an MTV show, some sort of supernatural show where it was like uh, kind of a like a Wolfman and all that sort of like characters. I know I saw a clip from that show. I don't remember what it's called. Hmm. Scrolling. Scrolling. Yeah, it would appear that um, Atomic Blonde is the first thing that I know him from. Yeah. Then it. Deadpool 2? Yeah, I don't remember him that. I was looking at this room. Zeitgeist? I think he's probably one of the montage of people that get recruited and killed within minutes. Oh. I forgot he was in the Devil all the Time garbage movie that that was. Ugh. Ugh. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that to you. But... Eternals? Hemlock Grove. That was the show I was thinking of. I know he in the Eternals. I never watched it. Oh, he did a voice. I saw that in like... Uh... The show I was talking about was, was Hemlock Grove. Yeah. I never saw it, but I saw like a clip of it once or twice. And he was, uh, in it. it was a ridiculous fight scene. I was like, what the hell is this show? Um, I, I love, it's funny. Uh, my favorite scene with the dweeb is because of Ian McShane. And it's the end during the duel where <laughs> where Winston is just so happy. He's just like, ha, 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 you arrogant prick. Like, what, I forget what he, what he actually calls Well, he calls definitely it said arrogant. I think it's you arrogant bastard or something like you that. You arrogant bastard. 
<laughs> so good. It was just so good. You can't shoot the gun. It's his turn. And it's like, bang. And I was like, what a fitting ending to this ridiculousness. I'm what a piece of shit. Like, he yeah. like launched all of this shit. Like, uh. you know, he's the face that launched a thousand hitmen. And he gets challenged to a duel, pawns it off. Yeah. And then after all that, like, Giddily's like, I, I claim the right to the coup de grace. Like, I'm going to kill him off now that he's dead. Uh, he can't hurt me. And it's like, yeah. no, no, fuck you. If you wanted to kill him, you should have fought him yourself. Classic dweeb move. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, he definitely he definitely was given atomic wedgies when he was younger. Definitely. Uh, but granted, he probably said assassin after all those people. But sure. Thunder Hero there. Donnie Yen, we already talked about. Um, tremendous performance. Uh, Hiroyuki I love, Sonata. What's that? Hiroyuki Sonata. Hiroyuki, yeah. Uh, what was he? Bullet Train. I, he's so familiar. What did, you say, what did you say? Bullet Train. Bullet Train, he's the grandfather, right? Yes. But what? I feel like even that, oh, Mortal Kombat, he was Scorpion. Yes, yes. Okay, okay. He was. Yeah, you, but you only see his face really in the, that opening scene. In Avengers Endgame? Who was he in that? Akihiko? I don't know. Oh, with the the scene where um Jeremy Renner at the beginning when when he Oh okay when he kills all those Yakuza. So he's yeah. only in screen. Uh, he was in the Wolverine. Yes. I don't Rush Hour Three. Yeah, okay, now we're getting Jackie into Jackie Chan's half brother or adopted brother, whatever it was. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, another really great performance like another entire level of world building of it's like layering in some tradition with like some cultural traditions on top of the fact that he's also part of this assassin's group like there's just some or well you know he he owns uh one of the hotels but like i don't know there's just something there's something he fits so well in it, and it feels like he's been in this world for a really long time. Well, also, I think he's he stumbled upon this really cool type of character between this and Bullet Train. They're almost kind of mirror images of each other, where in Bullet Train, he plays this former Yakuza boss that you find out kind of, not almost say has a heart of gold, but like that has a human side to him. Like, mm-hmm. And like he really embodies that whole like samurai code of honor thing and it's like okay yeah like i will kill you but like it's not the only way and this one you almost get the opposite side of that where you're presented yes he's very ceo like but you're presented with this deep wisdom the front side of it and then he's willing to go kill and do what he's got to do i like that warrior monk role for him he he has a way to to both convey the stern and the badass, but still show the more philosophical, empathetic side as well. That range within that type of character to be able to hold those dualities together. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah. There's something interesting about like, he's got like this respect for the rules and everything, but there's a higher respect for the bonds forged in friendship and family, like, and like how that, how that plays out. It's like it's its own it's its own entire movie. <laughs> yeah, that whole, <laughs> like, that whole with, like twenty minute section of the movie is almost carved off into its own thing. Mm-hmm. And it's great. 
Really well done. Just before that, uh, that actor, it was Amy Kwan. Is that the one who played his daughter? I, I, oh, no, no, I no, think no. no. That's, that's think, Donnie Yen's daughter. Sorry, that's Donnie Yen's daughter. So I don't know what the ordering of the casting because she's like Barrett. Like she, uh, I mean, Akira, I think we see her face. Rina Sawayama. Right? That plays that. That was the... yes, and that was a cool. I feel like that was a really cool storyline because it's like we're gonna give you a small amount of focus on a character that is affected by this world outside of like these nameless assassins that we're just going to murder on screen. And ultimately it leads into obviously a post credit scene where this character comes into play. And there's, it's clear that there could be some sort of maybe even spinoff if they decide to. Yeah. With that still remains within the world. They definitely left some options there. And, and I think it's cool. Um, And I think that the character's cool. And like the character's, pain and struggle and like you know god like dad why are you making this stupid choice like he is going to get us all in trouble because he's he like and like the father trying to like teach a lesson about like friendship and well what was great was that they're honor they're both right and that they both yeah. taught each other something at the same time right like she's right he's bad news they all end yeah. up dying basically yeah, and he's also right that sometimes the rules are less important than, like you said, the bonds that yeah. are written. That there are things worth dying for, that but like maybe don't make just, sense from the outside. Just us talking about this, so like the random the random levels of depth that this movie has. That like why? Yeah, there's no like, reason for it. It's great. I'm glad that it does. But like, holy cow! <laughs> yeah. I, I thought she did a good job. Of, uh, yeah, I didn't expect much from the character early on. I thought she was going to be a throwaway character, and to find out mm-hmm. she's going to be important, like because you just think, oh, like she's just like the hostess of the hotel. And it's like, right? Oh no, she's not just the hostess. She's the daughter and the right hand, you know, control person. And yeah, to find out how important the two of them are to each other. That line about, yeah, you know, the whole thing. Oh, you have dinner with your daughter, or whatever. You know. It, tell my daughter that I'd be happy to have dinner with her and her smile. Like, like that was a really cool sequence. Yeah. I liked that a lot. Cause you see the whole range of them fighting and making up and all that. And um, the whole thing at, at the end with where she, she, you know, she's willing to help John despite her personal opinion. Mm-hmm. And then you know, the whole thing with Donnie and trying to tell her like, no, don't, I didn't want to kill your dad. I especially don't want to kill you. Like, don't yeah. do this. Like, the, another time, if you must. Yeah. It was almost kind of yeah. like the scene from uh, from Kill Bill when um, when uh, she kills Vivica Fox and the daughter comes in and she, she says, you know, 20 years from now, you're going to want to come track me down and find me. And this is my name and I understand. But, like, it wasn't personal. You know, that whole, it's like the, that scene, like. I know of it. Oh. Yeah, I still, I. As long as we've been doing the show, I still have not seen so it. So you've seen all of the Quentin Tarantino movies that aren't Kill Bill, and I've seen Kill Bill. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's <laughs> um, so funny. It's so weird to me. that I feel like it's like one of those weird ones where like I missed the train. Like I, I could watch it at yeah. some... At, There's literally no one would, stopping you. Would very much enjoy it. But for whatever reason, like I, I never find myself in the situation where like, oh, I'm going to put Kill Bill on. Like it doesn't happen. I mean, you should. I, the, I'm sure those that two, should. Those I'm, two I'm sure movies together, it. I know technically, like in his 
parlance, it's one movie. It's one movie. Two parts. Which is fine. I I, I, but there is like there are two distinct movies that are inexorably like linked together. And I find it hard saying like which one I prefer because I like certain aspects of one and certain aspects of the other. Sure. Like I don't know. It's it's an interesting experience. Whatever. I didn't mean to go off on that whole tangent. No, no, that's great. I'll fun, check it out for fun, sure eventually. Fun, fun fact on um, was it, was it Rina Rina Sawayama? I, I I remember looking her up after because I was like, oh, she seemed vaguely familiar. And I don't know why. And actually, I don't know that I recognize her. But apparently, she's a pop star. This was her first like major acting role. Okay, I was gonna say like she looked familiar. Yes, I don't know if maybe I've seen her. And not like registered that that's who it was, but yeah, apparently she's some sort of pop star. I, I don't know any of cool. her music, but yeah. yeah, I don't. Not none of this is like something that she's like about. a uh, like a Japanese British uh, pop star. So cool. Uh, moving on to Shamir Anderson as Tracker, an interesting character, a little bit of a background player for this movie. I mean like pops up at just the right times to like maybe change fate slightly, which is kind of cool, but like kind of just this little wild card that is there throughout. And I, I think that's an interesting character to have. It maybe not as fleshed out as the rest of the characters or storylines. Like, and I, I don't, I don't quite know why that one feels like it's lacking in writing. It, it's it's tough is it a feature or a bug because i don't know yeah they they kept trying to pull information out of him mm-hmm. and he keeps actively denying them that information yeah but what's your name i don't have nobody it. like doesn't matter yeah like who are you i'm just i'm just here i'm doing my thing i'm it's nobody like, yeah i'm nobody it's like oh okay like that's cute like it's mostly annoying it's gonna probably get you killed because someone's just gonna read that the wrong way. <laughs> and it's like and like he clearly has skills, and I appreciate some of his little gadgets. That backpack thing that turns into the like cool. flexible suit of armor thing was cool. Yeah, the dog was great. Um, that dog kicked ass and and could take a beating because like it gets hit by a car, it gets tossed around a couple times, and it keeps coming back. So yeah, um, but I appreciated that storyline. I love that he's like alternating between hunting John and helping John and hunting John yeah. and helping John. Um, the weird three-way alliance that's not really alliance in the club in Germany mm-hmm. was fantastic with all three of them together. That was that was great. That whole sequence was so much fun. Yeah. It, it, so much nonsense. What was funny was watching that on Saturday night and being like, this reminds me of the penguin scene in the Batman. And then watching mm. the Batman the next day, <laughs> like, and there was no, like, that was not what led me to like think about watching that movie, watching it, that scene again. I was like, yeah, no, they cribbed off this scene pretty, pretty directly. <laughs> like it's, it's almost exactly what that was in the Batman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Except that's... like even more ridiculous and over top of the action. It was so, it was so ridiculous. The whole like the, I also I loved the, the the ridiculousness of the card game. The what was it, five twos? Yeah, it's <laughs> like just shut up. Um, you say it reminds you of the Batman. It reminded me a little bit of probably because like the combination of Keanu Reeves and the setting and like 
the absurdity of the situation, but like the Marilyn Jean and those say Matrix too, yeah, yeah, that they definitely got that vibe. Um, but it was really fun. Like I love that scene. It's kind of throwaway that that particular that particular chunk of movie is not necessary really at all. It's just like a let's do one more. Let's do <laughs> one more weird thing uh, because at the end of the day, it's a side quest. It is. It's. And the fight with him is so ridiculous because, like, he's way more athletic and talented than someone his fat as him should be. Mm-hmm. But then the way that they end up finally killing him, like, he's a, like a total tank. But then, like, <laughs> like how shocking the end of that fight was with him going off the stairs and breaking his neck. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> yeah. I went, I audibly went, oh, at that scene, which is like in a movie where like a bajillion people die in ridiculous ways. For that one is the one that got an audible reaction from. Yeah. Me. The worst neck snap since Deus. No. Oh, I haven't thought about it in a while. I know. I don't like it. Every once in a while, I remind me, and it makes me uncomfortable, too. I used to have this... (laughs) I used to have this figurine. This... this uh, Actually, I think it was a Michelangelo figurine. The Ninja Turtle. And you can pop off the limbs. And, like, so that it looked like the turtle, like, had gone into the shell. Like, you could pop the pieces off. But the the sound, the sound? Yeah. of the of the of the limb. Well, what was worse, me evoking? Oh, I don't feel good. That scene from <laughs> Deus, or the time that I PTSD triggered quicksand from the Jungle Book for you? Which one was worse? You know, I I'm not sure. I the quicksand one sticks was- with me in a very unsettling way. Uh. Like I, I don't know. You get stuck in oil at some point in Jedi Survivor, and you're like wading through it, and I'm, I, I'm panicking. <laughs> like it's just well, very. So that's the thing is, I think the Deus next snap is more visceral, but I think for how many layers that you buried the quicksand under was more shocking. That, and yeah, that, to that's you. the thing. Had I seen the Deus next snap at the same time that I saw the quicksand thing, I think you know it might be a very different story. But yeah, it didn't. And uh, it's alarming. Um, that version of the Jungle Book, I'm pretty sure, is on HBO Max, and I feel like I should watch it. I actually, it was. It I think it's on HBO Max. You're right. I think it was on regular HBO. I think I turned on the TV like six months ago, and it was just on. And I caught like ten minutes of the movie. It's like, huh? I forgot about the scene where he's running through the streets and he climbed a snake like 50 feet in the air. I feel like that's like one of those random ones where I literally, I don't remember anything except Except the quicksand. But if I were to watch the movie, it would flood back. I think. Sam Neill is Lena Headey's dad. Okay. Uh, Jason Fleming is some random dude in that movie because he's always some random dude. Carrie always is the bad guy. Okay. I kind of want to watch it now. There are monkeys? <laughs> oh my god. So we went to the zoo. This is just a random story. We went to the zoo on Monday for my birthday. I took Elio for the first time. He hasn't been to the zoo before. Okay. 
um, there were two key takeaways. Sorry, there were three key takeaways from the zoo. One, the donkey that he saw. He's currently loves the loves donkeys. He's got okay. a book. There's a donkey in the book. He sees donkey. He goes zoo. He's very excited. <laughs> two, there were monkeys that were showing off. They were like they had like in their giant cage. They had like actual like scaffolding. And they were doing some really bananas, like flying around, like zipping, no. like no. <laughs> no, they were all right. They were they were zipping around. They were doing bananas. Sw- Come on, they were. They, I didn't. They were doing bananas moves. Bananas. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh yeah, the monkeys were doing bananas moves. They were yeah. swinging around, <laughs> thing to thing. But they were really. High. It was like super cool. It was like I could have watched it for hours. They were. They were. I was gonna say they were bananas again. They were crazy. <laughs> Uh, and it was really cool, but he his takeaway from that was, which he has repeated every day since, like at a random time. Well, he'll be like, "Monkeys fly," because <laughs> <laughs> they look like they because they really. I mean, like the way they were like majestically swinging around, but like they would release and they would have like a ridiculous hang time before grabbing the next thing, where it looked like they were flying. Um, so that was a big takeaway for him, and also he fed a giraffe and he was pumped. Okay, I can it was that. a it was it was a good time. It's a good time for all. Uh, anyway, back to the movie. Uh, who else do we have? We have so yeah. So we talked about the the the, uh, the next snap. Uh, I think we've covered all characters. Yeah, right at this point. Pretty much, yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. I mean, the the staircase scene. I. That was another audible moment for me where I was just like, oh, come on. Like when he when he went down the steps all the way down, I was like, really? And then to, and then again. And then again. I was like, this is just wrong. I was like, I can't deal with this. Well, I started this. laughing because I was like, I understand it's a movie and they're they're doing this for emphasis. But like at the end of any one of those flights of stairs, his momentum should end. And he's very clearly... In, which throwing in himself. Case, in this case, we're talking about the stunt double. He's very obviously throwing himself down the next flight of stairs. Yeah. yeah, it's it's ridiculous. The one, maybe the one problem that I have, and I guess it's actually acceptable. Like they could have they could have sorted this out somehow. There's definitely time off screen where they could have sorted this out. But the plan, clearly, John and. Uh, and Kane coordinated around the hopes that douchebag is going to want to take the final shot so that they can get out of it. But because he says like, you know, maybe there's another way he does say that at one point. So I'm assuming that there's a conversation that happens in between of here's one play that we can make. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't like that. I'm guessing like they have some coordination at some point off screen. Is that your takeaway? Yeah. Um, well, so I don't think it was the plan all along, but it was certainly the plan when they were walking up the stairs. Yeah. Um, and to sell it, because I was actually confused at the beginning when he stabs him, I was like, oh, like that was petty. But it was to sell the whole thing with them. Like, John... He's a blind He killed assassin. 147 people. If he was using his strong hand, he would have one-shotted Kane. Well, not only that, but, like, Kane is a phenomenal assassin, but 
realistically, he's not. A, he can't be a sniper blind. He can't be. Like yeah. he can fight in close quarters, but he he can't be an assassin from thirty paces. Like it's not. It's mm-hmm. not feasible. So you need to sell that John has to shoot with his offhand because if he shoots with his on hand, he wins in the first round. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's a, clearly it's coordinated. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's the only way um, that Kane can honor his friend and protect himself and his daughter. Mostly his daughter. Right. Because the only way this the only way the story ends, the only way that he gets out is the Marquis dying. Because mm-hmm. he knows he's gonna backstab him. He knows that even if he lets him live and lets his daughter live, he's gonna continue to hold it over him. Yeah. It's it's crazy to me that at the end of well not crazy to me it's cool I, I'm okay with it I guess but at the end of all this we John never makes his way to the table right like he he's always dealing with like the stuff in between which is fine and interesting in itself I do wonder if they are to explore that post credit scene and dive a little bit deeper if that character uh, Akira gets to the table at some point. Mm-hmm. in like some revenge plot to a degree um that would also be fine i just don't know how if they'll actually take it to the next level or if that was just like a nice little tease at the end for just you know the effect i think it was meant um, to close the loop to whatever extent and also to leave open with ambiguity to leave open that there there could be more to the story if if they want them on yeah do you and you know they show they show John pass away on the steps, pass out, I should say, on the steps, and then uh, then they cut to his tombstone that does say "loving husband," which I thought was a nice touch. Um, in your mind, did he die? I honestly don't know because they did all yeah. the things that should convince you that he did die, but they also left mm-hmm. enough ambiguity that he wouldn't necessarily be. I would read it as he died because there's a lot of symbolism with the whole thing. He chooses to have the fight in front of Sakakor, the the Church of the Sacred Heart. They have the whole duel. He has that that cool line when he's talking uh, about, you know, there's men who cling to death who live and there are men who cling to life who die Mm -hmm. and the talk about who's fighting for what here Cain is still fighting for something and John at this point he's been fighting for spite he's been fighting for rage and pain and all that he wants to go out on his own terms and if his terms are he gets to kill the Marquis and free his friend his friend yes because Kane's life and Winston's life hang in the balance. And that's he dies good, free of the table. That's a good death, and it's on his terms. Yeah. yeah. But But they could they could they could very much do the Dark Knight returns. This would be a good death, but not good enough. Well, absolutely <laughs> absolutely. And, and, you know, and he has a whole thing to. where he yeah, he says, take me home. Which yeah. even that's amb- ambiguous. Is it just like this is done and I can go live. But what does he have to live for? Or take me back and bury me next to my wife with the the sign off that I chose finally. 
and yeah. he, you know has the the kind of the image of the the light and he, you see his he basically you know he you know he sees his wife before he passes out so what's the, you know what's the difference he, he he's more than likely dead they, they left enough here where you should probably conclude that he's died it's time yeah he doesn't have anything to live for he has the dog which would be great but like it's not enough really mm-hmm. um and and the dog ends up with a good home like the you, you feel like the Bowery Kings they take I mean I really wanted Karen to have him but like um whatever like it doesn't it doesn't yeah. matter I it's fan servicey the way I wanted the story to end when he says take me home I wanted him to be the concierge I yeah when he said take me home we know that they're going to rebuild and reconsecrate the New York Continental I was hoping that our final scene would be of him with the dog at the front desk, but I, I'm I'm okay with it being this way. And if they want to do it where he kind of rides off into the sunset, and yeah, you have the option to bring him back somewhere down the line because we didn't actually truly see him die. That, that's right. okay too. I, I'll be okay. With yeah, that same. I I agree. I'm okay with the one. I will say that would be fun if he became the concierge. But then if he does, he's also not really out. He's still part of this life. But he is out. He realistically. If they've learned their lessons, he should never have to raise a gun again. Yeah, that's true, I guess. Well, yeah, that was fun. I'm actually looking forward to rewatching all of them. Uh, when this one comes out, I'll probably start that. Oh, they're on TV comes. so much that I've seen parts of all of them. I, I've only ever seen each of them once. Okay. No, I've seen so by parts. I've seen each of them five or ten times. So. But I, I do have them all, so that'll help. Anything else before we sign off? Um, no, I think I got most of uh, what it's, uh, well, sorry, there's one, there's one other thing. Well, they're kind of tied together. I appreciate that every one of these movies has had some sort of like we have to chase John through the streets type of sequence. Mm-hmm. I really like the addition of the radio show where she's giving us the code word information about yeah. where he is and what the new price is and all that stuff as she plays a new song that thematically indicative of what's going on that was cool that was fun i like that and that led to what was one of the crowning achievements of the series and also like something i was just like i was laughing at it and with it the fight scene in arc de triomphe with with cars was just yeah like the amount of people thrown into cars hit by cars that they're fighting around the cars they're shooting each other and stabbing each other and fighting and there's just chaos it was just, <laughs> I, I was laughing. I was la- each time, I'd be like, "Oh!" As someone gets lit up by a car or a bus or whatever, it's it. It, it yeah. was re- it was great. It was ridiculous. So ridiculous. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, that was fun. I I enjoyed that. I'm glad we. It, it was fun to come back after an un unintended hiatus with an actual relevant movie. Yeah. Um. To the time, so that was great. Uh, that's all for this week's episode of Flicks in the Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to flicksinthesix at thespoontube.com. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. And I'm tired. (laughs) Thanks for coming out. (laughs)